You know, for a Dodger fan, the waiting definitely is the hardest part to see where this series goes. Down 3-2 to two going into St. Louis for the final two games of the NLCS. And I am a Dodgers fan, so the waiting is the hardest part. But it's also hard for this show sometimes. It's been nine days since we were last on the air. The show got delayed by two days for the Dodgers, so I wouldn't have to miss the games that were televised in, in uh, some cases, actually, that I went to in person. So this is an off day for them, and it's not an off day for me. And uh, not only is the show coming two days late, it's also starting at 7.30 instead of 7 o'clock due to some uh, things I had to do here earlier today. So I apologize if you're on the East Coast or somewhere else where it's later than it is here on the West Coast, and uh, it's making you stay up later. But as always, this show will be in the archives, so if you cannot stay up, it'll be there waiting for you whenever you are ready to listen to it. And I'm making sure it is recording, unlike a few weeks ago where it failed and I had to redo the show. So welcome to the Druff and Friends show. I am Todd Dan Druff Wittellis. This is the Poker Fraud Alert radio show, where I talk about a lot of different subjects, mostly around, mostly centered around scams and scandals within the world of poker. More online poker, but sometimes just poker in general, but also talk about general gambling topics, sometimes about sports, and of course we have our wacky cast of characters that call in, and you never know what you're going to hear from them, whether it's Bad Guy 23 or Ken Scaler or uh, one of the many others that have called into this show over time. It's kind of a variety show, and I, I try to have the show be something for everyone, and that's why I know some segments don't appeal to everyone, but the reason I have such a variety of segments is so a large number of people can get something out of this show, whether you're here for the serious poker scandals bits or the uh, the comedy stuff. There's something for everyone. Uh, this week we do not have a co-host. A lot of times I have a co-host with me. That's why it's called the Druff and Friends Show. Uh, China Maniac has been here for the last two weeks. He is not here tonight. I don't have any co-host tonight, but if anybody would like to co-host is listening live, you can volunteer. Now, the way you can interact with me during... The show, you can do it in two different ways. Number one, you can call in. There's two phone numbers. 775-FRAUD-55. That's 775-372-8355. And also, if you want to call the Mount Charleston line, that's a phone number in the town of Mount Charleston. It's a mountain that hangs over Las Vegas. It's actually like 30 degrees cooler usually than Vegas is. Uh, An old 70s rotary phone sits on top of that mountain and forwards to wherever I am. That phone number is 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808. Whichever phone number you use, you have to make sure to show your caller ID. You can do that either by dialing star 82 before calling me or just by selecting the option on your phone to show your caller ID. If you don't, it just won't get through. You'll get a busy signal. Now, if you don't want to call in, you can also interact with me through the chat room. I have a chat room that runs, and I try to read it during the show. It's harder to read during the show if I'm by myself, like tonight. But I still try to to read the chat room anyway, and you can comment through there. I might even steal your joke if you say something funny. I may steal it for myself and not give you credit. You never know. Uh, Here's a selection of things being said right now in the chat room. Hockey guy says, fuck you, Druff. 
Um, Bobby Orr says Druff doesn't give us East Coasters any respect. And then JSTAT says Druff doesn't give the West Coast Giants any respect either. He's referring to the fact that the San Francisco Giants came back from a 3-1 to deficit against the Cardinals in last year's NLCS and went on to the World Series and won it. And I hope the Dodgers do the same this year. So uh, there's a little bit of respect for the Giants, but that's the most respect I'll ever give the Giants, I promise you. So that's a, a random selection of what I'm reading in the chat room. And if you want to interact with me, you can go there right now if you're listening live. You just click chat on the top of the screen. It's near the top of the screen, actually. You have to have an account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum to chat there. Speaking of having an account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum, as usual, we have a free roll tonight. The free roll is for $90. More than usual, $90. We've had a lot of generosity in recent weeks, and we've had big free rolls. This week, $90. And uh, let me get to the prize pool distribution. The way it breaks down. We're paying four spots tonight. And I'll tell you in a second what those four spots are. First place is 40 bucks. Second place, 25 bucks. Third place, $15. Fourth place, 10 This money did not come from me. It came from the following four individuals who generously donated it. Just like every week, the money for this free roll comes from our user base. Richard Brody's comb-over, not Richard Brody himself, but Richard Brody's comb-over donated $20. Willie McFML donated $30. Gordman donated $35. And Beer and Poker threw in $5. So thanks to you four. Appreciate that. And keep in mind that thanks to our very generous user base, Poker Fraud Alert has given away more money in our free rolls than any poker radio show in the world. It's the truth. The free roll takes place tonight a little bit later than usual. That's why I'm still talking about it, otherwise it would already be going. But it's taking place tonight at 8.10 Pacific Time. It is No Limit Hold'em. It's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. And you can find that near the top of the screen. You need to set up a separate account there from what you have on the forum. To qualify for the free money, even though it's a totally free tournament, you don't even need play chips. It's totally free to enter. But you need to have... A registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum by January 1st, 2013. If you don't, if your account on the forum is dated later than January 1st, 2013, you need to create one and PM me, that's Dan Space Druff, or you can email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. That's all one word, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. You can email that to me. What you need to email me or PM me is how long you've been listening, what you like about the show, what you remember about the show, and don't just copy from the descriptions. I want to hear specific things you've heard. Convince me you've been around for at least a few weeks so I know you're not just here to win the free roll money and have nothing to do with the site otherwise. I would really prefer if people post on the site and interact here, but if you just want to lurk, if you just want to listen, that's fine too, but I just have to know you've been around and for at least a few weeks in order to win the free money, and you have to do this before the tournament starts at 8.10 tonight. There is no late registration, as always. You have to do it on time. That's the way the software works. 8, 10 p.m. Pacific time. You've got about 20 minutes to get there. So let me give you the agenda tonight. And by the way, someone asked me to tweet out when the meat of the podcast starts. The meat is what he's referring to is when I actually get going with all the content rather than the free roll stuff and the intro song and the agenda 
someone just wants to hear the podcast starting from when I'm doing the content part of it. So I'll try to remember when exactly it starts there and tweet that out. And I'll try to do that in the future. So those of you that don't want to hear it, 20 minutes of this intro garbage don't have to if it's not live anymore. So here's the agenda for tonight. Garden City Group, the ones managing the full tilt poker remuneration for the players who had money stuck on there. Me and pretty much every American player on there has money stuck on full tilt. And uh, Garden City Group is managing it. The news for this week, they are not going to pay you for your full tilt points, your bonuses, or your Iron Man middles that you had when Black Friday hit on April 15, 2011. I'll talk about that. There is a new documentary that's being released called Ultimate Beat. Not Ultimate Bet, but Ultimate Beat, about Ultimate Bet and the cheating that went on there. This is by Scott Bell, also known as Eleven Grover. I'm going to be in that documentary. Now, keep in mind, I have no financial tie to the documentary. I have no tie to the documentary. My entire affiliation with the documentary was that Scott Bell contacted me and said, Hey, do you want to come over and I'll film you talking about the AP scandal and the UB scandal? I said, Sure. And I came over. He didn't pay me a dime. He filmed me. I I signed a release that he can use my image in the film, and apparently it's in the film. So it's finally being released after a long time, and I I really look forward to seeing it. There's actually a premiere this week. It's either tonight or tomorrow that I was going to attend, a a private premiere, but I'm actually not able to do it uh, because of some other obligations that came up at the last minute. So I'll have to see it some other way. But it's being released this week. I'll talk about that. Michael Mizraki, well, he's leaving a cheating site, not a site that necessarily cheats you at the poker table, but one that cheats you by stealing your money full tilt style and just never paying you, never letting you cash out. That's lock poker. Michael Mizraki is leaving there. He has made that statement. I'll play the audio of his statement and talk a bit about that and whether we should uh, give him a thumbs up for what he's doing. Speaking of lock poker, someone who definitely does not deserve a thumbs up, Brian Pellegrino, also known as Primordial AA. He's been defending Annette Oberstadt, another lock poker pro, and Brian himself is a lock poker pro. He's been very vocal in defending lock on 2 plus 2. He's been saying some pretty ridiculous things once again, and I'll read some of them and give you my reaction, and also give you my opinion about Annette herself regarding the lock poker situation. Poker Stars decided they're going to sell play chips. You can actually now buy play chips on Poker Stars. I'll talk about that, and I'll give you my opinion as to whether that's right or wrong. Well, Greg Raymer has finally gotten off. That's right, Greg Raymer, who was caught trying to solicit a prostitute through Craigslist, he's finally gotten off. No, not that way. He's gotten off with community service. I'll tell you a little bit about that. Four casinos now have permits in New Jersey to launch online poker. It's the same type of online poker that exists in Nevada. It'll be for New Jersey... I shouldn't say residents. uh, Anyone in New Jersey physically will be able to play online poker in the state of New Jersey. And four casinos now have permits to do so. And November 26th is the launch date for these rooms. I'll let you know which four rooms are doing it in a little bit more detail about that. Joe Seabach, remember him? Kind of the uh, Brian Pellegrino of Lock Poker back in the UB days, the one who was telling you it was safe to play on the new UB because it's not the same old cheaters running it. Totally safe to deposit and play there. You see how that turned out. Well, last we heard, he was up in Northern California crushing hella grapes. 
Yes, Joe Seabach was actually crushing grapes for a living. Not, not figuratively, he was literally crushing grapes for like 12 hours a day in Northern California for very little pay. And obviously a very large fall from grace from the days when he was uh, wealthy and living in an expensive Hermosa Beach house on the beach and partying all the time and playing high-limit poker tournaments. He was crushing grapes for very little money. We'll hear what he's up to now, according to his stepfather, Barry Greenstein. Finally, Caesars has decided to swap out most of its video poker machines. I don't just mean Caesar Palace, I mean Caesars as a corporation, the one that brings us the World Series. They're swapping out their video poker machines. They're not all gone yet, but they are swapping them out with newer machines. And these newer machines are definitely inferior in a certain way. I'll tell you how, and I'll tell you how this connects to what Sev- what uh, Caesars is doing to combat the scourge of Seven Stars Grinders that have been infecting them for a long time, of which I am one. That's the agenda tonight. You never know what else will happen. You never know who will call in. You never know where the show will go. Uh, Bad Guy 23 has promised that something's happening tonight, but who knows. With Bad Guy, I just I don't want to make too many promises connected to Bad Guy. I just like to let him do his thing and whatever whatever we get out of him, we get out of him. Sometimes he he brings us the hits, sometimes he brings us the gold, and sometimes uh, sometimes a lot of promotion with not much delivery. So we'll see what happens tonight. But I, I'm happy that Bad Guy interacts with the show. He's definitely like the the main comic relief character of Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I've actually had people ask me before, why do you have Bad Guy on the show? This is a guy who admits that he doesn't pay child support like he's been ordered to. This is a guy who's admitted to uh, scamming before. This is a guy who talks about even small-time scams of uh, like the Outback Steakhouse. Why would I have him on a show called Poker Fraud Alert Radio? where I tell you guys how to avoid scams, where I criticize scammers, where I criticize people who cheat others. Why, why would I have a guy named Bad Guy on here? And, and that's because he's the comic relief character. Obviously, everything Bad Guy does is, is not necessarily condoned by this show, but he's the comic relief character, uh, and uh, a lot of people find him entertaining. And, and by having him on here, it, it's not like it furthers anything he's doing. So... That's why we have him on here, and he's been a uh, beloved character of the community for a number of years, even if you don't agree with everything he does. And so, uh, Rolo Tomasi asking in the chat, what happened to Ken? Nothing happened to Ken, it's just I can't call him. He has to call me. I can only call him when he's with Stephanie, and that's usually on the weekend. I can try, because he sometimes sees her on Thursday night. Uh, he's always with her on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it seems, but uh, during the week it's harder to get him. I think I haven't heard from him in a number of days because he owes me money and he doesn't want to pay me. I mean, he will pay me, but he doesn't want to pay me right now. So, that's the story. Free roll starting in 13 minutes. Get in there if you want your piece of 90 bucks. Usually the player pool is smaller on nights like these when it's a different night than the broadcast usually takes place. Because a lot of people have scheduled around this show, believe it or not. A lot of people have gotten used to being home on Tuesday night and making themselves available to listen live, and when I change the night temporarily, where it's on a night like this Thursday, uh, some people can't make it. Especially when it starts half an hour later. So, good night to win easily in the free roll. And it's a big prize pool, 290 bucks. Usually we have around 50. Last three weeks we've had a lot, though. Last three weeks we've had over 200, over 100, now 90. All pretty good. 
So let's just start right out at the beginning here. Beginning of the agenda. And that is about Garden City Group excluding full tilt points, bonuses, and Iron Man medals from the payouts that U.S. players will eventually get as a result of the settlement with the Department of Justice. Now, this just really disgusts me. This is this is something that just has always been a big thing to me, and that is paying players properly for whatever points they earned on these poker sites. Some of you remember I was one of the few who was loudly criticizing poker stars for how they handled the payouts after Black Friday. I mean, sure, it was great that they had all the money and that they weren't thieves. Great. It was great that they quickly paid all of us with electronics fund transfers to our bank accounts after Black Friday, that they just, you know, shipped us the money. That's great. I give them huge props for that. Good job, poker stars. But where I didn't give poker stars props and where I was really mad was how they handled the FPP thing. The FPPs were, you know, points you would earn from playing raked hands on there. Every hand you would play, you would earn points, and uh, eventually you'd earn a lot of them. People had millions of them. And uh, you could use these to buy things, to buy real things, actually to buy real cash. They really had value. And poker stars, while they did let people convert the FPPs into cash, they did it in a way that cheated people collectively out of millions of dollars worth of value, maybe even tens of millions of value in FPPs. And yet they got all the credit for how great they were for letting us get the FPPs at all. And I had long debates with people about this. People would say, hey, why are you bitching about FPPs? They paid us at least most of the FPPs. They didn't have to pay us anything. In fact, they're the only ones who had the money. How dare you criticize poker stars? And I said, look, I agree poker stars has been worlds better than full tilt and UB. There's no question. But that doesn't mean that if they steal from us with our FPPs, that that's okay just because they stole less than everyone else did. And and that's basically what happened. And um, they found a way, they found a very tricky way to give us our FPPs and yet keep a lot of them and thereby rob us out of many millions of dollars of value collectively. I personally lost over $1,000 in value of my FPPs. I think I lost like $1,700 in value that I should have gotten. And not $1,700 in implied value or value I'm guessing. I mean real value that they should have been worth. Poker stars cheated me. And I'm not, I'm not unusual. I wasn't special. They weren't victimizing me. They cheated everyone who had FPPs to cash in. And I was a big advocate of giving full value for the FPPs because they were promoted as something that actually have real value. Poker stars said all that time, hey, we may not give rake back, but our FPPs are better than rake back. They assigned real value to them for marketing purposes. And then when it came time to pay them out, they didn't give us full value. But this isn't about poker stars. Sorry for the rant about them. This is about full tilt. They had points too. Now, mind you, I will say that full tilt had their own separate rake back program. Now, not everyone was part of that program. You actually had to sign up through an affiliate to get it. But most of us had Rakeback who played on there uh, with any kind of frequency. Most of us uh, were aware enough of that Rakeback to sign up and get it. And um, that was not affected by what I'm about to talk about. If you got Rakeback on full tilt, it was put directly into your account, and you're going to get paid money that you received from Rakeback, from Garden City Group. 
However, you still at the same time earned full tilt points, you earned various bonuses, you earned these Iron Man medals. And again, they were given real value. They weren't just promotional material. They were all considered part of the complete package. Because we were paying rake, and they were taking a certain percentage of our rake, and then giving that back to us in the form of rake back, full tilt points, these bonuses, these medals, these all came from our rake. These weren't just promotional. It's different. These were not promotional because these were all promoted as having real value. And they could all be exchanged for things of real value. They could be exchanged for tournaments that actually had a real money buy-in. The, the, the bonuses obviously had real money v- uh, value. Um, Iron Man medal, same thing. You know? So, these points in our accounts, if we were left with points, it was only a matter of just not using them as fast as other people use them. I had like, I, I didn't have that many. I think I had like 90,000 unused points. But had I used my points on April 14th, or I, I guess it wouldn't have mattered because then it would have been processed. But say I used my points uh, two months earlier on uh, February 15th, 2011. I would have gotten real full value for my points. And yet, on April 15th, if you were left over with points, if you have points, you have bonuses, you have Iron Man medals, you don't get a damn thing according to Garden City Group. This is what Garden City Group has said. Full tilt points were a marketing tool and have no monetary value. That's not true. They weren't a marketing tool. They were a benefit. They were they're a piece of your rake went back into your account through full tilt points. This is not true. They went on to say they will not be refunded and are not reflected in account balances. Iron Man medals and similar bonuses will also not be redeemed for their cash value and are not reflected in account balances. That's basically saying if you have this stuff, kiss it goodbye, you're never getting it back. It's over for you. Now, I don't know, maybe if you uh, move to a country outside the U.S. where you can play full tilt, maybe you can reactivate your account and those things will still be there. But that that's not practical for just about everybody at this point. If you If you haven't reclaimed your full tilt money in the last two and a half years by moving out of the country and establishing a new residence, you're, you're probably not going to. So pretty much everyone dealing with this is just going to lose them. And, and what's really lousy about this is these did have monetary value. It may not have had monetary value in the way of uh, uh, where it was combined with your regular monetary ba- balance, but you definitely had value. These items definitely had value. You could exchange them immediately for value. But they're not going to do this. Now, I understand if Garden City Group said, hey, these should not be priority. The priority should be paying out everyone their cash balances. And after that's all done, if there's any money left over, then we will cash out these bonuses and full tilt points and Iron Man medals in some way that will determine is fair. These will be second priority. This will be after everyone gets their cash. Then we'll give you the money from the value derived from these uh, various bonuses. But that's not what they said. You're just not getting it. So if there's a remainder, if there's a leftover of the money that was paid into the fund by PokerStars to the U.S. government to distribute to us, the players, if there's a remainder, guess where it goes? It goes back into the government's coffers. It does not go back into the poker community. It doesn't even go back into PokerStars. It goes to the government. 
The government is keeping our full till points, they're keeping our bonuses, they're keeping our Iron Man medals. If there's a remainder of money, they should use every bit of that money they can to remunerate players. They shouldn't find ways to exclude players with the exception of excluding people who benefited from the fraud that was going on at full tilt, whether knowingly or unknowingly. There I can expect where they do not pay those people. But everything else, if you're an innocent player who had full tilt points, pay us our damn value of the full tilt points with whatever money's left over after you've paid people the cash for the balances in their accounts. There's no reason to just keep the money and say, well, we know you have these full tilt points and we, we, we have money left over, but tough luck, we're just keeping it. Terrible. Now, I don't know if this was Garden City Group's decision or if this is just them being a mouthpiece for the government. I don't know if the government is the ones who uh, have really made this decision behind the scenes or if this was Garden City Group to decide it and just to communicate it. Uh, this is from PokerFuse. Uh, it's a very good news site, by the way. I like PokerFuse. I've really become a fan of theirs. They call themselves Independent Online Poker News. And while they have plenty of, of marketing stuff on there, and they're, you know, they're definitely a for-profit site. This is not like uh, Noah SD and Diamond Flesh's old site where uh, they were surviving on donations. This is a, a definitely a commercial site with lots of banners and stuff, but they do good news, and they, they're really not afraid to cover any story over there. And I appreciate that. Anyway, on PokerFuse... It says, the Garden City Group has announced it will not consider full-tilt points, Iron Man medals, or other bonuses as part of the U.S. players' balances that will be refunded through the remissions process implemented to compensate the victims of full-tilt following the site's collapse after Black Friday. When full-tilt was still operating, players were able to redeem these non-monetary items for cash and prizes. Those that, that were stockpiling these rewards with hopes of cashing them in for a big payday will be disappointed by the news. Exactly. We were encouraged to keep these points and to keep these bonuses and to keep these medals. We were encouraged not to have to redeem them right away. They were not promotional. They were things we were earning. See, this is different than if you're going to Subway and they're giving you a little thing they stamp every time you get a sub. And then, you know, every eight subs, they give you a free sub. So let's say you had seven subs stamped on there. You needed one more and then Subway goes out of business. Well, I understand why you can't make a claim against Subway that you want the value of seven-eighths of a sub. Because you're not encouraged to save up these subs here. This is not known to have any kind of real value. It's like, hey, you come to us eight times, just to be nice, we'll give you a free sub. But this is different because this is something you're earning. You actually have a balance here. You're not forced to cash it out. Unlike at Subway, there's no benefit to waiting to where if you uh, you know fill up your card of eight subs, you bring it in and get the free one right away. You, there's no point to hoard them. You're not looking for a giant prize at the end. Here, you're actually encouraged to hoard them. And that was my same argument about the FPPs on PokerStars. They encourage you to hoard them. They encourage you not to use them right now. You're not using them now because you believe that the site has your money and is completely stable. And then it turns out when they're not or when it turns out the government busts them and they can't continue, like in the case of Poker Stars, that then they find a reason to devalue what you've been hoarding. And the people who spent them right away end up with full value, and the people who hoarded them uh, that were doing what the site told them to do end up being screwed. So, pretty bad. Pretty, pretty bad. 
Someone wrote in the chat room, when it comes to money, Druff is very passionate. Someone else says in the chat room, uh, Tilted Placetan, couldn't you buy a gigantic TV with those points? Yes, I don't know about specifically a, a TV, but uh, yes, you could buy items with real value. You could buy into tournaments with those points. Beer and Poker says, I knew Full Tilt Poker was not going to pay out on the player points. Is it fair? No, but at least the account balances are getting paid, unlike that shithole UB. Look, I agree that it's a better situation than the people who had money on UB that are just getting nothing. Just like Poker Stars is a better situation where we got our money right away and we got paid some of our FPPs. But that doesn't make it right. It does not make it right. If the government has leftover money from the fund that was established to pay us, then pay us from the fund for our points from that leftover. Don't just keep it. Snake in the ass says, referring to me, it's in his DNA, all Jews are predisposed to being passionate about money. Well, maybe so. Maybe so. I don't know, actually, if this was something ingrained in me from just you know, being similar to my parents, or if it was learning from my parents, or both. It was probably both. As to why, you know, but I am very Jewish about money. I am a Jew, and I'm I'm like the stereotypical Jew when it comes to money. And I'll admit that. And I've always wondered, like, like how did that happen? Was it just my environment, or is it uh, genetics? And I think it's both. I really think it's both. You would be surprised how much is inherited regarding your personality, regarding your likes and dislikes. You're never going to be identical to your parents, and many times you'll think you're very different from your parents, but then you'll start finding small things, especially as you get older, where you're remarkably similar to your parents, and where you know it didn't come from their influence or growing up with them, where you know it just came from that you have the same genetic material and that you just somehow have the uh, desire to act like them even when you don't realize it. And I'm finding that more and more. And there's there's many ways I'm different from my parents. For example, uh, my parents are, are really not into the whole gambling thing at all. I mean, they used to go to Vegas and play very low-limit blackjack for fun in the 70s, but it was just like a, a fun, entertaining thing. They, they would never, neither of them would ever have wanted to become a professional poker player. Uh, th- this is just something that never appealed to them. They support me and the fact that I do it, but they this is something I definitely didn't get from either of them. But uh, there's other things, including the whole money thing, that I really did get from my parents. And uh, as I get older, just a lot of little things I start noticing were hereditary that are part of me that uh, came from them, either one of them. In some cases, like something that is a trait of both of my parents, it's amazing how frequently it it is that uh, I find that I have that trait too. Like, if both your parents are a certain way, there's a very good chance you're going to be that way, too, whether you like it or not. If one is, eh, it can go either way. Someone wrote in chat, I had a Jewish friend when I was a dealer who bargained hookers in cat houses to lay us for $20. (laughs) That's something I've never done. I've never bargained with hookers. I'd probably be good at it. All right, let's, uh, let's move on here. Next topic, the Ultimate Beat documentary. Well, uh, Scott Bell 
known as Eleven Grover. He's been making this documentary for a long time. And uh, let me get to the uh, thread about this. Where is it? Here we are. He is on Poker Fraud Alert. We've had him on this show before. If you want to see a uh, a show, if you want to hear the show, sorry, I got distracted. If you want to hear the show with Scott Bill, it's called uh, "For Whom the Bill Doesn't Toll," and he did a long interview on here. Uh, Scott Bell is one of two people who has been very, very, very into researching all the stuff involved with the UB and AP scandals. Uh, A lot of us have been into the whole thing, myself included, but there's two people who have far and away done the most work with this, with just uh, tearing the, uh, the veil away that was hiding the truth. Those two people, and unfortunately they hate each other, are Haley Hintz, who uh, is more of a person who does her stuff in, in written form. She's a reporter who is uh, writing a book about this, has written many blogs about it. And then there's Scott Bell, Eleven Grover, and he's uh, doing it both in written form and in uh, movie form, a documentary. So uh, this has taken a long time to release. I did my part, my interview last year in the summer. So it's been over a year. But uh, the documentary is called Ultimate Beat. And as I said, Scott Bell, Eleven Grover. Uh, He's been researching this for years. And here's a press release from uh, Doublehead Pictures, which is owned by Scott Bell, regarding what Ultimate Beat is. It's going to be released uh, in five days. The story tracks an intersection of old-school hustlers and technology during the poker boom. After successfully launching a popular site, a group of insiders used software access to defraud players over a period of years without detection. When discovered, they went into great lengths to cover up the crimes in order to repay less than the amount stolen. Nobody was ever investigated, arrested, or indicted, or prosecuted for the crimes. The subtext is how a small group of players crowdsourced an online investigation to force the site into repaying far more than they intended, if not fully. I don't agree with the last part about fully. There's no way we got paid fully. I mean, we even heard it on those tapes. But uh, we did get paid a lot more thanks to the uh, investigation by the community, by people who just would not take no for an answer, by people who tirelessly investigated the UB and AP scandals. A lot of people were involved in that. I was involved, but I didn't do nearly as much as as many others. And I appreciate everything that was done in both scandals by the player investigators. Because without all the investigation, without the tireless efforts to make them do the right thing, we would have gotten paid nothing or next to nothing. When the UB scandal broke, they immediately went into damage control mode, and you heard on these tapes we played on the show before, they were trying to see how little they could pay, and at one point they were thinking of paying $5 million total. Which sounds like a lot, but it turned out they paid, or at least claimed to have paid $22 million, and I think uh, much more than that was stolen. So it'll be released in a video-on-demand format, and uh, the details on how to purchase this film 
will be available on October 22nd. I guess you can just download it. And then uh, right now you cannot get physical DVD formats. You can't just have a DVD mailed to you, but you can download it for, for purchase uh, on October 22nd. And let me tell you, regardless of what you think of Scott Bell, uh, some people don't like him. Some people uh, didn't like his strategies of obtaining information. And yeah, he, he can be an abrasive guy, just like Haley Hintz, who uh, did a lot of research on her blogs and for her book and, and all the great stuff she's come up with regarding the AP and UB scandal. She can be an abrasive person. Both of these people can be abrasive. But you know what? I can be abrasive too. And these two both have done great work in bringing the truth to light. Even if they hate each other, even if they'll never cooperate with one another. I wish they would, but the, even if they never will, they've both done great work. And um, I, I think very positively about Scott Bell. I think very positively about Haley Hintz, and I, I encourage everybody to download this. Even though it is going to cost money, it costs money to produce. And I, I don't think that uh, Scott Bell is going to get rich off this. I mean, you're just not going to have a massive group of people who are going to want to watch this thing. I, I don't know if he'll even make money on it when it's all said and done. But he's put a lot of effort into this. I, I saw it when I went down to do my interview. And uh, I'll play you the trailer again from Ultimate Beat. And uh, you can hear very briefly my part. And as I said, October 22nd, which will be before our next broadcast, uh, you can find more information on Ultimate Beat. Uh, Let me play the trailer here, which I've lost for the moment. Where did it go? Here we are. So it says right at the beginning of the trailer, the first and worst of all frauds is to cheat oneself. All sin is easy after that. And that's from uh, Lucifer in Festus. Dot-com bubble burst. Entrepreneurs and poker hustlers helped to drive a new boom in online poker. The game took flight with a World Series champion, but they had larger goals. Why would they be cheating when they're making so much money in rank? You see a player playing 60-70% of your hands and you just have to hop in that game. Patrick Antonius had lost $500,000 and he looked over me and said, Brad, I am never playing on that site again. A labyrinth of corporate entities drove a large valuation before the coming storm. The president signed the Unlawful Internet Gambling Enforcement Act on Friday, a piece of legislation Congress quietly attached to a bill on port security. In a shifting legal environment, players learned they had been cheated. And we all just started pooling our information together and looking at these accounts and saying there's something not right about this. The chance of this being legitimate was about one followed by 32 zeros. So one in, I don't even know the word for that number that's so big. The site had technology to identify cheaters. I.E. Snare, and I.E. Snare is, you know, what have caught this stuff early on. We associate problems to the specific computers used to perpetrate abuse so that fraudsters can't simply hide behind new accounts. That was a... Uh... That was Greg Pearson's voice, by the way. Greg Pearson, who is uh, really thought to be one of the cheaters 
during the UB scandal and definitely was involved in covering up, as we heard uh, in the tapes that uh, Travis McCarr released that Russ Hamilton secretly recorded. And uh, he was the CEO, is the CEO of iOvation, and uh, he was supposed to be in charge of the security on UB and, in fact, was cheating people. And that it looked like to us that this ultimate bet cheating scandal was going to be quite big. <laughs> Mason Malmuth there. Bet you recognize that voice. As we kept putting all the information out, ultimate bet, you know, through the months when they actually started releasing the statements, they, they kept just regurgitating the information we kept putting out. Players identified issues allowing ultimate bet to refund less. I'm sure a lot of the money that was put back in these accounts was never claimed. Ah, who's that? Who is that? Who's that guy? That is me. I am going to be in that documentary, as I mentioned before, and I'm even in the trailer. And I was invited to see the premiere tonight. Either tonight or tomorrow, but I can't make it, as I said before. And then if it's in their terms of service that after six months they can take the money back, confiscate it or whatever they do, uh, I'm sure that was not an accident. $24,000 roughly uh, refund on that account that was processed in the initial refund, but because the account was closed, you couldn't access Many stories of people that claim to have lost six, seven figures on Ultimate Bet uh, during the cheating time frame and gotten no refund back. The Ganawaki Gaming Commission allowed principals to perform an internal audit. Pay out the largest amounts to the biggest name players. What's the minimum they could get away with giving back to the players? The fact that we even asked the question of were players properly refunded shows that there needs to be a complete and proper independent investigation. Phil Helmuth is one of the game's highest profile players, and he helped found IE Logic, the parent company behind Ultimate Bet. I think that that's a very good question there as to, to exactly how, how much ownership he had and how much he knew of the going on, and, and I don't think those questions have been answered. Players have trust in people like Phil Helmuth and Annie Duke, and that trust meant that they lost their money. And I think it's a great point, and uh, one thing I like about Ultimate Beat is that it's going to be talking about that. It's going to be bringing up Phil Helmuth's role. I don't think Phil Helmuth cheated anyone directly. I don't think he even knew what was going on, but um, he and Annie Duke stayed very quiet, or at least Phil did, and then Annie Duke tried to defend UB at first. And uh, they, they kind of skated away from this whole thing after making a lot of money from this site. Pretty unscathed, especially Phil. Annie Duke and Phil Helmuth have a lot to answer to. One founder, Russ Hamilton, did his portion. Are you in any way associated with the ultimatebet.net super user cheating scandal? Carrying blame for the whole team in a complex and evolving case. The film reveals a large group enabling, assisting, or otherwise failing to prevent customers from being looted. See how Ultimate Bet founders expect to earn hundreds of millions of dollars in the next wave of legalized poker. Sounds very interesting. And will be released on October 22nd. Again, I am in the film, but I have nothing to do with it financially. I have no partnership with the film. I just think it's an interesting thing for everyone to watch, especially if you listen to this show. So that will be coming out on uh, October 22nd. Now, Rolla Tomasi saying that Trampoline got paid <laughs> for this. <laughs> Maybe I should have held out for some money if Trampoline got paid. But uh, I didn't get paid. 
I've never been paid for any of these media appearances I did re- related to UB. I didn't get paid by 60 Minutes. I didn't get paid by uh, CNBC. Not for this. Not for uh, my upcoming appearance in the DVD for the film Runner Runner. Actually, they paid me a tiny bit. They paid me like 60 bucks for gas. That's, that's all I ever got paid for any of this stuff. But I, I never did it for the money. I did it just because I'm someone who is knowledgeable about it that was willing to get on film and say these things. And a lot of other people didn't want to. They either didn't know enough to do it or just didn't feel comfortable going on film and saying these things, either for legal reasons or or being afraid that there will be some kind of retaliation against them. And I said, you know, I'll do it. I'm not afraid of this stuff. So I did it. And and that's why. And like, if I thought one of these things was going to make a fortune off the fact that I was going to be on there, then I would definitely ask for money. But the truth is, if I don't appear, then the whole thing goes off anyway. It makes just as much money as it would have either way, and yet it does not have the information I wanted to see get out there. So I, I found it was more important to get this information out there and to have whatever I want to say to get out there than to try to hold out to get paid a little bit. Someone asking, am I in the credits for Runner Runner? No, because uh, the movie itself I have nothing to do with. I'm just going to be in the DVD extra, something that they add onto the DVD, a little feature that's attached to the DVD, like most DVDs have. Someone saying, I need a better agent. Maybe I do. Anyway, that's coming out, and uh, I, I don't know how much it's going to cost, but if it's reasonable, I suggest that you buy it. Support the people who put this together Because it's It's really putting the truth out there About a lot of people That uh, have so far skated away Without really any damage to them And I'm always happy When I see people Suffering a consequence For their involvement in this Uh, For example uh, Bonnie Lanehose Who got in trouble Not in trouble, who got uh, Fired from the LVH poker room She was the poker room manager there Got fired after a lot of people made a big deal Over them hiring her Because of her UB association And she tried to play victim and claim that she didn't know All this was going on And it's just her unfortunate association with Russ Who she didn't even know that well Blah blah blah. And then, and then of course it, it turned out she was lying through her teeth About all that stuff That she and Russ were good friends and For a very long time And that uh, even if she didn't know about the cheating With her position With the uh, UBT With the uh, Ultimate Blackjack Tour and, and its involvement in the UB cheating That she should have By the way, I like when you Google Bonnie Lanehouse The fourth thing that comes up Is from Poker Fraud Alert I always like to see that So um, I always like when people Involved with a scandal Who otherwise aren't really known by the general public as being involved in the scandal Suffer consequences from it Even if it's years later I like if they, all of them have a black mark On their forehead forever And uh, so far Greg Pearson has done quite well Despite all this But I hope that eventually that changes too So um, Someone's saying in the chat uh Poker Ho and Debo I think he means Devo, uh, Brian Devonshire Went unscathed You know Let me tell you, I'm not going to defend anyone Who is a UB pro, but uh, 
this poker ho guy, he really had no clue all this was going on. And he he didn't benefit that much from it. He was just kind of a poker pro on UB who was just always there, always one of the uh the poker the UB poker pros and kind of just rode that wave to the end because he didn't want to give it up. He didn't want to give up the free money, which is look, I I'm not going to say he did the right thing. He did the wrong thing. He should have jumped ship as soon as the UB cheating scandal broke. But uh, he's nothing like the people who enabled the cheating or covered up the cheating. And and Brian Devonshire, he joined afterwards, but again, he was just a pro trying to um, jump on the bandwagon and get money. Jump I shouldn't say the bandwagon. Jump on the gravy train and get money. Nothing to do with covering up the cheating. The reason I gave Seabox such a hard time, we'll talk about him later in the show, is because he actually came out and said, there are new owners, it's safe to play on UB. He was the spokesman for the new UB. He was the one help, telling everyone it's safe to come back. Guys like Brian Devonshire, they just lent their face to the site and promoted it, which was wrong, but not nearly as wrong as saying, it's safe to come back, it's got new owners, I'm Joe Seabock, trust me. Big difference. So, uh, the people I really think that need to suffer long-term for this are the people who were involved in either the cheating, the enabling of the cheating, or the covering up of the cheating. Or, the people who, after the cheating was over, actively tried to bring people back to UB under false pretenses that it had new owners. Those people deserve to suffer too. The Joe Seabox and Prolot Friedman types. So, check out Ultimate Beat when it comes out in five days. Well, I just mentioned uh, people who lend their image to a site even when the site is clearly cheating people. We're going to talk about someone who's doing that right now or who just did it. Much more of a current situation. And that's at Lock Poker. Now, Lock Poker, as you know, I've mentioned them so many times on the show, uh, they have not done any super user type cheating. I, I don't, I've not heard of any actual cheating at the games on Lock Poker, but they just simply don't pay you. They've just taken our money on deposit and stolen it. So, that's just as bad. If the money's gone, the money's gone. It doesn't matter how it's stolen. If it's been stolen, it's gone. They could steal it from you at the table, or they could steal it from you to where you can't cash out. Either way, you have no money. Either way, your trust in them has been broken. Well, Michael Mizraki has been a face of that site for a long time. Now let me tell you a few things about Michael Mizraki because I don't know him well, but he knows who I am. I know who he is. We've played together at the same table a number of times. We've always actually gotten along. I've never had any confrontations with him. But I'll tell you, Michael Mizraki is someone who I don't think is a bad guy, but he's very self-absorbed. He's self-absorbed to the point that he just cares of what's immediately going around you know, in front of his face. This little bubble surrounding him. And that's it. Outside the bubble, he doesn't give a crap. And that's just his personality. I'm not defending it. But I don't think Michael Mizraki wanted people to get cheated on Locke. I don't think he was helping Locke cheat people. I think Michael Mizraki just tuned it all out. He'd hear about it and say, oh yeah, I probably should do something about that. And it's like, eh, whatever. 
Just go back to my own life. Again, totally wrong, but he's not exactly someone who's... Um, it's not in his personality, like, I'm gonna, I know Locke's cheating everyone, but I, I don't care. I'm happy everyone's getting cheated as long as I get paid. That's not him. Michael Mizraki's personality is, hmm, people are getting cheated on Locke? Uh, all right, I'll look into that sometime, whatever. I'll keep wearing their patch. I'll look into it someday. That, that's Michael Mizraki. He just doesn't give a shit. He should, but he doesn't. And he'll sell his name to anyone or anything that pays him. And I don't think he even realizes how much that can hurt him. Because, you know, a lot of times these big-name poker pros, of which he is one, all they can see are the ass-kissers surrounding them. And whenever he walks into a poker room, everyone's like, oh my god, the grinder. Oh, Michael's Miss Rocky. You're such a great player. Oh my god. Like, everyone, they, they kiss his ass. There's so much admiration shown to him that the small percentage of the community that's mad about the lock poker thing, it, it just it gets drowned out. He thinks, how could I be doing anything so wrong if everyone loves me? He's similar in that way to Phil Helmuth. That's why Phil Helmuth let the whole UB thing go. I mean, you, for Phil, it was more complicated because he owned um, a portion of UB, and it was much harder for him to just walk away. But uh, it's the same thing. Just kind of a bubble where he's not necessarily a bad person, he just doesn't give a shit. So, people have been begging Michael Mizraki, please leave lock poker. Please stop promoting them. Please stop wearing a lock patch. Please stop having that on you know whatever you're wearing when you're playing a major tournament. People will think they want to play on there because that's your site. Because that's the site you support. Well, finally, he's done it. Now, here's an interview... I'm only going to play the end of it, where our very own Seriously Serious interviewed him for Bluff, and Seriously Serious, uh, who's very aware of all these types of issues, asked him about Locke, and I'm glad he did. You know, the typical interviewer will never ask him about Locke. You you know, you see him interviewed on Card Player or Poker News or whatever, the typical interviewer is just going to ask him about his poker hands and, and poker-related stuff. They'll never ask him about Locke poker, but Seriously Serious, props to him, he asked the tough question at the end of this interview. Let me get to that point. In the interview, yep, I don't want to play that. Okay, here we go. Picture was recently taken down from Lock Poker's website. Is that relationship ended? Or uh, yeah, yes, it has. It has, and uh, we'll send out a statement soon. Yes. So that was the whole thing. Uh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. It has. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, send out a statement. So basically, his picture came down from the Lock website, and someone noticed that. Seriously Serious got word of that and he asked Michael Mizraki at the end of this interview if that's true. That was Seriously Serious's voice you heard at the end there. Play it one more time since it was so quick. Get to the right point in this video. Picture was recently taken down from Lock Poker's website. Is that relationship ended? Or uh, yeah, yes, it has. It has, and uh, we'll set out a statement soon. Yes. I look forward to that statement, but let me tell you that this is not necessarily anything to admire. Number one, he took a long time to do this. So even if at this point he's like, ah, Locke is not paying people. Locke is cheating people. All right, well, I can't in good conscience have my name and face be used for Locke Poker. I'm out of here. Well, great, Michael, but you're like years late on this one. So leaving at this point is better than not leaving ever. But it's still pretty bad. But 
still, we can't even give him credit for leaving because of the problems there. Now, he says he'll put out a statement. The statement could be anything just like really simple, like, I am no longer representing Lock Poker. Uh, I'd like to thank Lock Poker for all the years that uh, I've been with them. Or so, you know, some crap like that that just doesn't say anything. Uh, or it could be saying that I'm leaving Lock Poker because of the problems they're having, blah, 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 blah. Regardless of what the statement says, that may not be true. We all know that Lock Poker is broke. Uh, on last week's show, we talked about Lock Poker money trading as low as 11 cents on the dollar on 2 plus 2. That meant that people on Lock were selling their money, transferring their money in exchange for cash at 11 cents on the dollar. It's unbelievable. You have 3K on there, you'll get $330 cash for that 3K from people trading with you. That's how bad it's gotten there. Now, it was brought up, hey, maybe Lock Poker itself is going to buy up this money at such low rates to get themselves you know, back in the saddle. And I said, no, I don't think they will because I don't think they have 11% of the money. I'd be shocked if they had 11% of the money. I think they have just about 0% of the money. I think they just barely have enough money to, to keep the server running. <laughs> I mean, I, I think they're really at rock bottom regarding the money they have and and you know when some deposits come in from suckers who don't realize what's going on there uh then they'll try to use a little of that to pay out people very few people just so the word can keep going out that they're paying but they're paying a tiny percentage of people and these people have been waiting for months and months and months and basically if you have money on there especially if you're an american it's stuck unless you want to sell it at 11%. So I think it's very possible that Mike Mizraki is not getting paid. People always wondered, what about guys, you know, big-name pros like Mike Mizraki and Annette Overstad? They're obviously not on rakeback deals. A lot of the other pros were on, you know, some sort of glorified rakeback deal, of like 100% rakeback or some other crap like that. Or, you know, or maybe some uh, partial buy-ins to tournaments. Who knows? But guys like Mizraki and... and, and Nanette Oberstad, they're not going to do rakeback deals to have their face be used. They'd have to be paid real money to represent Lock Poker, or at least bought into some real high-value tournaments for them to represent Lock Poker, especially in the face of all this trouble. So I have a feeling that Lock is now so broke that they cannot afford to pay Ms. Rocky anymore. I have a feeling Lock Poker decided that as important as it is to have a guy like Michael Mizraki as the face of your site that that money is probably better used in making a few cash-out payments. I think they can't afford Michael Mizraki anymore. I think maybe even they were stalling Michael Mizraki, telling him, oh, we're having some cash flow issues, but you know we're going to pay you very soon, and then just stalling him for months and months. I don't know if that's the truth. Maybe they were paying him uh, currently. Maybe they, uh, they haven't paid him in a long time. I don't know. But I'm just about sure this is because they could not pay him. How am I just about sure? Because it doesn't make sense for him to leave at this point. There, nothing happened. Nothing big happened right now at Locke that's any different than it's been for quite some time. Michael Mizraki has been made aware for a long time about the situation there. If he was, if he had a moral problem representing Locke Poker, he would have left a long time ago. I'm just about sure he's leaving now because they're not paying him anymore. Maybe even they fired him. Maybe they said, hey, we just can't afford you anymore. Goodbye. But I think they probably owe him a lot of money. And he finally said, enough is enough. You're never going to pay me goodbye. 
Let's say you're Michael Mizraki. You don't really give a shit about the cash-out issues there. You believe whatever crap that Jennifer Larson, you know, the CEO there, tells you. But let's say they fall six months behind, nine months behind in paying you. And then you ask them, hey, what's going on? And then they give you excuse after excuse after excuse, and they, they promise you they're going to pay you the whole thing. Well, how long do you let that go on and keep representing them? Eventually, after enough time passes, you say, I can't do this anymore. They're just never going to pay me. So maybe it has been nine months or so since he's been paid. Maybe even longer. Maybe he's been tired of the excuses. Maybe he said, that's it. I just don't think I'm ever going to get paid. I'd rather just have my face taken down now than hold out that they'll ever pay me. So F it. I'm gone. Take me down, guys. I'm, I'm quitting. I have to imagine it's something like that. Something surrounding his not getting paid by Locke. Either they owe him money and haven't been paying, or they can't afford to pay him anymore, or both. So don't give Mike Mizraki credit for leaving. It's too late, even if he's leaving for all the right reasons, but I doubt he is leaving for those reasons. Pretty sure it's something self-serving. And this is a guy I've never had a problem with personally. This is someone who's always treated me well, always treated me respectfully when I see him in person, never acted like an asshole. There's been poker pros that I've played with that even if they haven't created confrontations with me, they've just they've just been arrogant, they've just talked down to me, they've just... I, I can just tell they're sitting at the table thinking they're better than me and everyone else sitting with them. And I don't just mean better poker players, I mean like, just better. I never got that from Michael Mizraki. It's true he's self-centered, it's true he doesn't give a shit, but, but I always found him to be soft-spoken and nice, at least, personality-wise. So I don't have a problem with him personally at all. But he definitely did the wrong thing. He definitely mishandled this whole lock situation. And whatever he's doing now is probably for self-serving reasons, pretty much like everything he does. So, when I say self-serving, there are some people that Michael Mizraki actually takes care of that don't deserve it. There's a lot of his friends who are Chino Ream types who, uh, you know, he's bailed out many times that don't really deserve it. You know, he does take care of his friends and family, from what I've heard. Very loyal to them, and very generous with them. He's not completely selfish, but he just... He's self-centered, not selfish. If that makes any sense. Well, another lock story. Brian Pellegrino, who, unlike uh, Michael Mizraki, who's been dodging the lock poker situation... He's been on 2 Plus 2 vigorously defending them on and off throughout the last several months and just saying stupid things. And this is someone who's respected for his poker play. This is someone who's known to be a nice guy. Just completely wearing blinders regarding lock poker. Well, someone was bashing Annette Oberstad on 2 Plus 2 regarding the fact that she was ignoring everyone who was telling her about lock. So a guy named Choke My D, who is actually uh, a victim on Lock Poker, he's owed a lot of money from there, I don't know how much. He posted on 2 Plus 2, let's not forget about the evil unit named Annette Oberstad. She ignored our tweets when we tried to let her know that she reps a scam site. She obviously doesn't care about the poker community, and we should make sure she never gets sponsored again. So this is what Brian Pellegrino responded to that. Trying not to get into any huge fights here, but seriously, get a fucking life, bro. Can you imagine? Get a fucking life, bro, when this guy brings up a good point about Annette. 
She probably gets malicious tweets and messages all the time. Sorry she didn't publicly respond to yours and get in some huge bashing, bashing massacre. She hasn't sent out a single lock... Re- rock, lock re- I can't speak tonight. She hasn't sent out a single lock-related tweet, as far as I can tell from her timeline in months. I checked back to July. Likely hasn't been receiving payments, and as far as I know, has not been recruiting people to sign up. Just get the fuck off her. Ruining her career certainly won't help fix the issues that need to be fixed. If she was out there giving interviews or signing people up in her false pretenses or angling cash outs or selling lock funds above market rate, then I would be understanding you having huge issues and want to take action against her. But she literally doesn't even do anything. She is probably the least active, least pushy of of the sight of anyone. Well, the problem with that response is that she was wearing a big lock poker patch during her uh, WSOP main event coverage this year that just aired. So, you can't just excuse her. She's been very aware of the problems and still wore that big patch on TV. And she's a very well-known player. She's not just some fringe player like Brian Devonshire or uh, Poker Ho. I mean, this is a a very well-known player these days wearing a big lock patch on TV. You can't just excuse that. Much like you can't with Michael Mizraki. And to show you what a dumbass this guy is, he also wrote this shortly after that. This is not about a net, but just about lock in general. Have said it many, many times, I still believe and think things will change at Lock Poker for the better. If you follow me, you'll know I haven't been promoting or anything for a while, and haven't been playing, and haven't received a cash out for four months. Does the current situation bother me? Yes, of course it does. I'm not just blindly, happily telling people that all is good and cheering everything on. Do I think I still have the right to wait for things I've been waiting for all along? Yes, I do, so that's what I'm doing. But no, I'm not happy with the situation. It does bother me, and I don't think the fact that I haven't left is on the same level as me being out actively promoting and signing people up. That's a joke. This guy's been saying forever, just give it a little bit of time. Everybody's saying, wait till June 1st. Wait till June 1st, it'll all get better. He keeps saying, wait a few more weeks, wait a few more weeks, wait a few more weeks, and of course nothing changes over there because they don't have the money. And he never leaves. He never changes his tune. He keeps saying, yeah, I think it'll get better. He has no evidence it'll get better. He provides no evidence it'll get better. He just says he thinks it will. He believes in his heart of hearts it'll get better because Jen Larson at that castle in Portugal told him it would. This guy is so gullible and I think self-serving too. I think this guy just does not want to lose whatever benefits he might get if they do turn around. That's the reason a lot of these lock poker pros stay even when they're not getting paid is they figure, hey, if I stick by lock and somehow they recover, there's a lot of benefit for me down the road in being one of their pros. They will thank me later for my loyalty now. It's kind of like the uh, low guy on the totem pole in the mafia who hopes that one day he'll rise up in the organization and reap benefits from it. Kind of like that. These pros think that if they stick there now, then, yes, maybe the whole thing will collapse, but... uh, if it somehow recovers, they're in for a lot of money and they're really going to be appreciated by Jennifer Larson. They'll really, this will really pay dividends. It's basically a free roll for them, a free roll against us. If it goes down, oh well, you know, sorry, not my fault, I had nothing to do with it. If it recovers, great. Now I'm in line to get a lot of money. Pretty despicable, and anyone who claims they don't know at this point or or think it'll turn around, they're they're lying to themselves or or just lying to you. So, 
Someone saying in the chat he's waiting for his money. He's got a lot of money at stake. It could be that too. It could be that he has a lot of money on there and thinks maybe a priority cash out will come his way if he sticks by them long enough. At the same time, I don't think he thinks they'll steal his money if he jumps ship. I don't think he thinks they'll zero his account if he says, I'm not representing you guys anymore. But I think he does believe that the money he has on the site, he'll get it off faster as a pro. Anyway. Just more of the usual lock poker. Nothing surprising there. Well... Poker Stars is selling play money. Now, for years, you could go onto eBay and buy play chips for sites like Poker Stars. There actually was a market more years ago than now to buy play chips. But Poker Stars never got involved. They would let you sell it, they would let you transfer money with someone selling play chips. You know, you could transfer play chips. But they never got into directly selling play chips themselves. Now I'm going to go on eBay right now as I'm doing this show and type in Poker Stars play chips and let's see what comes up. Uh, hmm. Nothing. Interesting. Maybe people don't sell it on eBay anymore. Maybe they don't allow it. I don't know. But they used to. People used to be able to buy play chips on eBay and you say, who would ever buy play chips? Well, some people really like playing in these like high-limit play-chip games. They don't want to work their $1,000 in play-chips up, because some people have millions or tens of millions or hundreds of millions of play-chips, and they don't want to work up whatever you start with to that amount. They want to play with the big boys at play-chips right away. So they're willing to pay you know, $30, $50, $100 to get just a ton of play chips and, and have fun. They see it as paying for entertainment. Uh, you may laugh at buying play chips, but people do this all the time. They, they buy uh, things for Farmville, they buy things for Mafia Wars, all, all those online games, you know, people buy things. And they, they buy add-ons, they buy gold, they buy chips, whatever. So this is not far-fetched. It just seems ridiculous to you and I as poker players, you know, who would ever buy play chips... If if we play for real money, you know, why not just play for real money? But they they don't see it that way. They'd rather have 165 million play chips for 200 bucks than they would uh, 200 bucks that they try to run up and probably lose pretty fast. Well, Poker Stars realized that they were missing out here. Why let their users sell play chips when they could get in on the action too? So they have now made it available to purchase play chips. It actually says in the top left corner, purchase play money chips when you're sitting at a play money table. If you click on it, a screen comes up. You can buy 350,000 play chips for $1.99. Shows you how worthless these things are. $1.99 for 350,000. 900,000 for 499. 2 million for 999. So you get 2 million play chips. 2 million. That's two times. One million dollars in play chips for just ten bucks. Seven point five million play chips for twenty-five bucks. Thirty million play chips for fifty bucks. That's that's a great value compared to the previous one because um, you're basically getting twice as many per dollar. 
7.5 million for 50 for 25 bucks or 30 million which is four times that for 50 bucks you're getting double the value 75 million play chips for 100 bucks or the best value if you want to put 200 real dollars into play chips 165 million play chips for 200 dollars so that you can buy now how do i feel about that i feel fine I don't care. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with it. If people want to buy play money chips, let them. They're called play money for a reason. You know, it's uh, PokerStars wants to sell it instead of letting their users sell it. Great. They found a new way to make money. PokerStars is a smart company. And there's nothing immoral about selling play chips. Just surprised it took them this long to do it. But... uh, you actually, if if you click, if you're if you're on PokerStars, it actually says right there, uh, very prominently. Did you know you can now purchase play money chips at PokerStars and buy straight into high stakes games? <laughs> high stakes games. Click here to purchase now. And I'm seeing there's you can play like No Limit Hold'em, two fifty five hundred, or probably even higher. I like how Simp Dog, who posted the screenshot I'm reading from, he wrote PokerFraudAlert.com on there, just so if anyone else grabs that screen that we get credit. Good job, Simp Dog. I like that. <laughs> Purchase play chips. So I wouldn't recommend any of you do it. Just because I think it's kind of stupid. But hey, if you if you really like the play money games, I guess there's worth things you can do with uh, $200. Better than loading up 200 real dollars and losing it at games you're not prepared to really play. So, that's what's going on with PokerStars and their play chips. No biggie, just wanted to mention it. Moving on to the next topic. If you want to call in, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. Or you can call me, the Mount Charleston line, 702-430-430. 1808. Well, Greg Raymer, he's gotten off. Finally, Greg Raymer, after years of trying, has gotten off. So, let me uh, read to you from this article referring to that. How has he gotten off? Well, he got off he got off of the trouble that he had in an attempt to get off. Greg Raymer was arrested. Let me find the date he was arrested. It was this year. Greg Raymer was arrested in March, middle middle of March, for soliciting a prostitute. Now, what was really bad was that it was first reported all over the place, even on ABC, that he was arrested in a male prostitution sting. So everyone got to hear that Greg Raymer was a closet homosexual and soliciting male prostitutes. It turned out it wasn't true. He was soliciting prostitutes, but female prostitutes. So uh, I guess they were doing a male prostitution sting in the same hotel and they got confused when they told the reporters. So uh, it turned out this happened in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Greg Raymer actually was trying to get a female prostitute, but still. Uh, he was arrested for soliciting a prostitute. Now, 
he finally, you know, now uh, seven months later has gotten off. The charges against Greg Raymer stemming from prostitution sting have been dropped. Uh, Raymer reportedly committed, or, sorry, completed 75 hours of community service. Police said that Raymer responded to an online advertisement that was on Craigslist posted by undercover police. He was arrested at a Wake Forest hotel along with five other men. He's from Connecticut. The 49-year-old is married. Raymer was allegedly soliciting a female prostitute, information which came to, after a local news outlet originally reported it had been a male prostitution sting. It later corrected the story. So, looks like uh, he got community service. I have to imagine he uh, pled guilty. At the time he was arrested, he didn't deny it. So he had to imagine he was going to plead guilty. So that's what he did. I, I imagine it was a guilty plea. They dropped the, the it's probably like a plea bargain. I shouldn't say a guilty plea. It's probably a, a no contest plea bargain sort of thing where you do seventy five hours community service will drop the charges. And it's probably not on his record. Probably something like that. How do I feel about this? Well, fine. I don't care if Greg Raymer goes to prostitutes. The truth is a lot of the poker community utilizes the services of prostitutes. Most of them in Vegas, not in North Carolina, but still. Don't think it's a big deal. Uh, Greg Raymer, people have been posting pictures of his wife and saying that since his wife isn't particularly attractive that uh, maybe that's why he's doing it. But, you know, look, Greg Raymer is not exactly known for his looks. He's not a good-looking guy himself. And uh, I, I think he was married to her long before he won the World Series of Poker. Before that, he was just your average Joe out there. And I, I think the woman he's married to is, is pretty appropriate. It's not like you see the woman he's with and says, oh, wow, you know, Greg could do so much better. Maybe he could after winning the World Series. But before that, no. And I give him credit for not leaving her and saying, I'm going to go find someone prettier because now I'm a... World Series of Poker star. I don't need you anymore. It's good he stayed with his wife. It's not so good he cheated on her. That's that's probably the worst part of this whole thing, rather than the fact that he was at a prostitute by itself is not horrible, but the fact that he cheated on his wife is not very good. Uh, there is a possibility, by the way, that his wife knew about this and was okay with it. We'll never know. But there are relationships where the woman either lets the guy do this just because she figures she'd rather know about it than him sneak around, or one through the woman just doesn't have interest in sex anymore herself and says, hey, I, you know, if you can get your sexual gratification elsewhere and not hassle me with it, great. Maybe it's like that. I don't know. I'd have to imagine he was probably just cheating on her. I'd have to imagine that uh, maybe he just got bored with being with his wife all these years. I don't even think it's so much with how she looks because... The truth is, when you're with someone for a long time, I mean, if you're not, if you were never attracted to them, or if you were and they've, their looks have really gone downhill and they look way different than when you were first with them, that can play into it. But if you were attracted enough to them in the first place to get married to them, in most cases, you'll still be attracted to them, other than the degradation that occurs over time in any relationship where you're just not as excited sexually about the person you're with anymore because you're just used to them. And 
they're also not as excited about you anymore. So maybe he just wanted to change it up a bit. I'm not saying that's an excuse. He shouldn't be doing this. But uh, that's the worst part of the whole thing, was cheating on his wife, if that's what he was doing. If his wife was okay with this, and he did it, then it's especially not a big deal. Then just, yeah, whatever. Um, He was pretty stupid to let this happen, because there are review sites out there. Like, uh, the best-known one is called the Erotic Review. And I've never had a prostitute before. I've said this before on this show, and it's the truth. I've never, ever had a prostitute before. But if I was going to, I would make sure it was a reviewed prostitute who had good reviews. And number one, you know you're not getting cheated. And number two, you know that uh, it's not a sting. You know it's not a cop that's uh, getting you down there and arresting you. So I don't know why he didn't utilize one of those sites. You can be a member on those sites for like 10 bucks or something. I don't know why he didn't do that and just answer some random Craigslist ad. But maybe the guy was thinking with his dick and just was like browsing through Craigslist one night. He's like, hmm, huh, this chick looks good. Yeah, I'll come down there. And then got arrested. So I don't think it says very much about Greg Raver other than that he's willing to probably cheat on his wife. So. Anyway, Greg Raymer got off. Good for him. Um, reading from the chat here. I'm sure his wife is okay with him fucking hookers. He must have been reading Backpage, moron. Half of them are nasties and half of them are cops or chicks with insane rates. I don't know who the moron is. I don't know if it's me. But uh, I've actually never been on Backpage. As I said, I've never actually been looking for a prostitute. I have looked at the ads on Craigslist because they're just funny. In fact, I'm going to go there right now. Right now on this show, we're going to go to uh, North Carolina, Wake Forest, North Carolina's Craigslist. So let's see, uh, craigslist.com. This is not a planned portion of the show, but what the hell. So I'm going to click on U.S. I'm going to go to North Carolina. And where's Wake Forest? I, see, I, I, I don't know what it's close to. Raleigh-Durham, Wilmington. Someone tell me in the chat room which one I should click on for, for Wake Forest. Anybody have any idea? Someone say they've all left Craigslist. That's not true. I actually looked, I don't know, about a month ago. Near, near Raleigh-Durham. Okay, clicked on Raleigh-Durham. So I'm, I'm going to look in under uh, Casual Encounters. That's where all the prostitutes are. Uh, women for males. So Casual Encounters, that section is supposed to be for just, like, people who want to have casual sex tonight. So in a perfect world, Casual Encounters on Craigslist would be horny women who are just looking for a dude to meet online, a random dude to meet online and fuck. But that's not the way it really is. Now, on the guy side it is. You'll find plenty of guys willing to meet tonight for nothing to have sex, both straight and gay. But uh, females, you don't find that here. Almost all, or maybe all, maybe 100% of the casual encounters ads are hookers or people just messing around. So I'm going to click on the top one. Special invite. No, it's been flagged for removal. Let's try the next one. Uh, Bucks and brunette. Um... This one may actually... This one 
I'm not going to read. I, th- I don't think it's a prostitute. I think it's just like someone messing around. Let's see. Here, fun. 20-year-old white female looking for fun. I want a guy who can give it to me long and hard. Uncut, uncut men go to the front of the line, send a pic for a reply. Now, at first that sounds like, oh, you know, maybe it's just a 20-year-old girl who likes uh, uncut men. But um, they have these all throughout Craigslist, and the reason they have these is that uh, you send an email to this person, and uh, they figure if you're uncut, you'll send it to them. You say, oh, this is someone who prefers uncut guys. Then you'll get back a response, uh, either directing you to a porn site or trying to uh, get you to hire them for their uh, their services. I guarantee there's not a 20-year-old female here, quote, looking for fun tonight in that ad. Here's another one. Ready for no strings attached. It's been flagged. That means it was a hooker and they uh, someone flagged it. Here's help question mark. It's also been flagged, but I can tell you that's a... It's an ad for someone claiming that they need a little bit of financial help. There's, there's a lot of ads on Craigslist of women saying things like, well, I can't pay rent this month. Uh, this month uh, Need 300 to make rent tomorrow. Uh, if you want to hang out, uh, maybe we can come up with something. Or they, they come up with a way to word it like, you're going to have sex and then maybe you'll be a nice guy and, and pay their rent. But in reality, there's, there's no problem paying rent. That's just the way they, uh, they word it to try to get around any kind of prostitution charges. Here's Amazing Lust. 23 years old. I'm just getting up and starting my morning off. I'm hoping to set up some plans for midday or early afternoon with the right type of quality gentleman. Whenever they use gentleman, you know it's always a prostitution thing. No drama or games. Yeah, I'm sure that's true because you just pay them. Essentially, just the two of us having an amazing time. I am an attractive woman of mixed race, and yes, I can host. I can host always means a hooker, by the way. Send a pic and info and tell me a little about you, and let's get ready to enjoy one another for a bit of discreet lust. Discreet, yet another word used by hookers. These are all over Craigslist. So, I'm not going to read any more. Um, <laughs> I did skip one. Uh, it says, uh, Druff skipped the BBW wanting 8 inches. He must not peg Raymer as having a giant schlong. I don't know, with, with Raymer's side, even if he is 8 inches, you probably couldn't see most of it. But hey, I'll, I'll read this one just for you, Beer and Poker. BBW, for friends with benefits, 8-inch dick needed. 8-inch or more di- dick needed, sorry. 26-year-old black BBW, 5'4", 250, drug and disease free. I'm looking for a fuck buddy, friends with benefits, cuddle buddy, etc. Not looking for anything serious. I'm a sexy, full-figured woman and want a fit, handsome man with a big dick, 8 inches plus, who likes to give oral as well as receive. You don't eat pussy, I don't suck dick. That sounds reasonable. Also someone who is a passionate lover That's what I want Apparently it's not money what she wants It's uh, an 8 inch dick You know I I think this one actually might be true And I'll tell you why There are a few of these There are a few outliers there that are legitimate The ones that are hookers Tend to have uh, Stats that Would appeal to most guys 26 black BBW, meaning big and beautiful woman, 5'4", 250. Most guys are not going to be into that. So that's more likely a woman who traditionally doesn't attract a lot of men. But is putting this ad on Craigslist and, and then saying what she wants, figuring, hey, you know, there's always going to be some perverts out there with huge dicks, and that's what I like, and, uh, you know, 
I'll get men this way instead of hoping to find the few I meet, you know, walking around on the street or at the clubs who who, who like really big women like me. So I actually believe this one. It's possible it's fake, but uh, at least that's the type of thing I believe. What I wouldn't believe if she's like five foot seven and blonde and one hundred thirty pounds and and twenty one years old, uh, looking for eight inch dicks. Then I wouldn't believe that. I would think it's either a gimmick or a hooker. Someone else saying this is an email spam. It could be. But I would think if it's email spam, it would be something more appealing where more guys would respond. Because I'll tell you honestly, if I was looking... Let's say, let's say uh, I, met, I met all the qualifications. Let's say, hypothetically, that uh, I, I have the 8-inch plus dick, and I'd like to give oral as well as receive, and I'm a passionate lover, and I need a fuck buddy. And I'm into like like let's say I I want this and I'm looking for this on Craigslist. As soon as I see 26 black BBW 54250, I'm not going to be interested. I'm, I'm not. That's not my type at all. That's not most guys' type. So if you're email spamming, this isn't a very good way to catch people's email addresses because they're not going to email you typically when they see this. You have to put something that's uh, more appealing to the masses if you're going to try to collect a lot of emails. So I, I believe this is either, again, either real or just someone who wants to uh, do this as a gimmick. On Craigslist, there's also what's known as picture collectors. Like, let's say you're a gay guy and you want to get pictures of dudes with big dicks. So you put this out there, hoping you're going to get a bunch of dudes sending pictures of their big dicks, and then you just keep the pictures and don't respond to them. There's a lot of that going on, too. So... Could be that as well. Uh, so, so that's the story of the Greg Raymer. Someone just asked in the chat if Greg Raymer put Maria Ho in the 400 800 mixed game, would she blow him? Hmm. Possible. Possible. Well, going from uh, a salacious topic to one that's uh, not going to turn anyone on. Four casinos now have permits to launch New Jersey online poker. I mean, how, how is that for a subject change? From uh, Craigslist ads looking for 8-inch dicks to talking about New Jersey online poker. But uh, that has happened. There are now four casinos that have permits to run online poker on November 26th in New Jersey. The Golden Nugget, the Trump Taj Mahal, the Trump Plaza, and the Borgata. The Borgata is the first one who got it. Um, The Trump Taj Mahal is supposedly going to be using Ultimate Poker software, so it'll be just like Ultimate Poker, except it'll be in New Jersey. They hope one day that they're going to be able to combine the two when you can uh, go out to Ultimate Poker or Trump Taj Mahal's room and play together from New Jersey to Nevada. But that's not going to happen right now. It'll just be New Jersey itself using the same software. Now, interestingly enough, Trump Plaza, which of course is also a Trump hotel, will also not be using or will not be using Ultimate Poker software as well. They actually supposedly have a different partnership with Betfair. So, Trump Plaza will be using Betfair. Taj Mahal, also a Trump property, will be using Ultimate Poker. Not sure who Golden Nugget will be using or who Borgata will be using, but uh, 
they'll be when I say like they're using Betfair, you won't be able to play against the normal Betfair players. It'll just be the same software. It's just a software partnership. So these all have this universal launch date of November 26th. And what that means is they don't have to launch on the 26th of November, but they can't launch before that. So unlike Ultimate Poker, which got to launch way ahead of everybody, Nevada, their, their attitude is, hey, as soon as you're ready to launch and, and meet our requirements, you can launch. New Jersey had the attitude of, you all have to start at the same time, and then after that, then you can launch separately. So we're not letting anyone jump first to market who's ready first, unless you're not ready by November 26. But as long as you're ready by November 26, you're all starting at the same time. The simplest way to put it is, let's say you show up early to run a 10K. Let's say the 10K starts at 8 in the morning. Just because you show up at 7.30 doesn't mean you can start running the race half an hour early. You have to sit around waiting to start the race until 8 a.m. Even if someone else shows up at 7.59, you still start the same time as they do, because the race doesn't start till 8. So basically, the race in New Jersey for your online poker money will start November 26th. And anyone who shows up later than that gets a later start than that. I don't think New Jersey is going to have a big enough market to support four rooms. I think this is going to be a failure. At least until there's cooperation between other states. I just don't think there's enough people. New Jersey has a bigger population than Nevada, by a lot. But New Jersey does not have as many people percentage-wise, who want to play poker as Nevada does. And that does affect it. You can have a huge population, but if they're really not into poker, then that doesn't help you for these rooms. So, as far as population goes, Nevada has 2.7 million as of 2012, and New Jersey has substantially more. Their population is uh, 8.8 million. So they have a population of about three times as much as Nevada. There's three people in New Jersey for every one in Nevada. Which is significant, but it's not hugely significant. It's not like California with over 30 million people. This is 8.8 million versus 2.7. And as you've seen, look at all the time Ultimate Poker was up. It was never a bustling room. Ultimate Poker was never kicking ass. And that was before WSOP.com went up. It just, it was semi-dead. It wasn't totally dead, but it was not like a bustling site with a lot of action. And that was when it was the only site out there. So can you imagine four sites in New Jersey? And New Jersey, again, is a place that only has one city where you can play poker or any form of gambling. That's Atlantic City. Nevada, gambling is legal in the whole state. New Jersey, only Atlantic City. And New Jersey, you know, you can be pretty far from Atlantic City in New Jersey. If you're near New York City, where a lot of New Jersey residents live, there's a lot of people who... who, uh, The largest metropolitan area in New Jersey is New York City, which sounds weird. New York City is in New York, but the largest metropolitan area of New Jersey is New York City. So, a lot of the people who live in New Jersey live by New York City, and it's just not all that close to Atlantic City. And the reason I bring that up is that uh, when you're that far away from Atlantic City... Uh, you tend to not really be part of the gambling culture there. It's kind of the same way like L.A. is is, is far from Vegas. So, 
while Nevada has the advantage of wherever you go, there's gaming. New Jersey's not like that. So I just don't think they have the population and the interest in gaming enough to support four rooms. I just don't think that. Um, I, I think there's some confusion. Someone's thinking that I'm saying you can only play on the sites in Atlantic City. That's not true. You can play on the sites anywhere in New Jersey... Just like in Nevada, you have to physically be standing in New Jersey. You don't have to live there. As long as you're physically in New Jersey's borders, you can play there. I was just saying that the only place that uh, gambling exists in New Jersey in brick-and-mortar format is Atlantic City. So, I I think this will do much better in the suburbs of Atlantic City, like uh, Egg Harbor Township and 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 Absecon, or however you pronounce that city. But uh, the places that are near New York City... Like uh, Livingston and all those I, I, I just don't see it doing as well But we'll see So uh, this is what Beer and Poker says in our chat New Jersey would get people traveling in to play If they're from around the border But regardless, no state itself except for California Has the population to have four rooms And even then is pushing it if you want to see bigger player fields Exactly It's just not a big enough state to have four rooms So I think all they're going to do is hurt each other. I think... Uh, I, I don't even know if one of these four is going to become a dominant room. Like, honestly, the Nevada situation is more clear, where you say, well, you have WSOP.com and you have Ultimate Poker. Most people are going to default to WSOP.com because it's the bigger brand name. But, you know, you have Borgata, Taj Mahal, Trump Plaza, and Golden Nuggets. I mean, I, I could see people going on any of those. So I could easily see this being uh, split up And Lou Father saying in chat they need to get New York in They do, just like California needs to get in But I don't see it happening anytime soon So That Is what's happening Regarding New Jersey November 26th is the magical date When Some or all of these four rooms will open Well, Joe Seabach, we mentioned him earlier regarding UB. Joe Seabach is no longer crushing hella grapes. He's no longer doing that. And that is according to his stepfather, Barry Greenstein. I'm going to play a video again. Uh, seriously serious. Got to give him credit. He just gets to all the right people and does all the right interviews. Interviewed Barry Greenstein. I have to say, Barry Greenstein, boy, he's really hit hard times. Barry Greenstein is 59 years old, and he looks like he's 70 now. And this guy has aged amazingly over the last few years. Go back, I don't know, five years for for Barry Greenstein, maybe seven years. He looks so much younger. Amazingly younger than he does now. He looks like a 70-year-old man now, and he's only 59. He's not even 60 yet. I have to imagine it's because he has been having financial problems and it's probably been very stressful for him and stress makes you age. I don't know if you people saw the way Jimmy Carter aged while he was in office, but boy did he age a lot in those four years between uh, 1977 and 1981. He aged like ten or more years in those four. Looks like Barry Greenstein has done the same. So this is an interview with uh, Barry Greenstein. (laughs) 
Seriously, serious, get rid of that obnoxious intro. He's got a marketing position in a, in, in a decent-sized company and making good money. He lives uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, and that's his favorite place to live. He went to Berkeley, so uh, he's doing real well. Uh, so he's saying that Joe, that is Joe Seabach, his stepson, is working in marketing in the San Francisco Bay Area. Now keep in mind, uh, the last we heard, Joe Seabach was crushing grapes. He was actually literally crushing grapes for a living, like 12 hours a day from like 4 a.m. to 4 p.m. Terrible working hours, too. Imagine having to be there at like 4 a.m. and then you, you stomp on grapes all day. That's, that's really what he was doing 12 hours a day over the summer. And uh, Barry will get to that in a second, but uh, he's saying he's doing marketing now in that same area, San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, you know, he's not in poker, but you know, a lot of people think because of the uh, obviously... He got a lot of criticism for getting people to put money on ultimate bet, you know, and it went down. So, you know, and I'm not defend. I never defended his position to even join ultimate bet. So, you know, he's got a lot of the poker community scorn, and I don't blame people, frankly. Uh, but even when he got into poker, that was just because his dot com company that he was in had folded, and he initially told me, "I'm just going to do it for a couple of years." He's the type of kid who always wants to have diversity, do a lot of different things. So a lot of people think, oh, look at that, knocked him out of poker. No, he just doesn't like doing the same. I've done the same thing for many, many years. Joe likes doing lots of different things. So. That's such a lie. Barry will sometimes say things that are just so not true. And you just wonder why he even tries to say them. Because no one's going to believe this. Very few people quit poker when they're winning. Very few people say, hey, you know what, I've won a whole lot of money, but I'm just not going to play anymore. And it's not even like he's an online player, and things have changed so much for online players that he has to quit and do, go do something else. That that I can totally understand. But he wasn't an online player. He was a live multi-tournament player, and he left that world because he was losing. He was not a winning player. He had a short run where he won some money, but but he entered a whole lot of high-stakes tournaments, and just could not support that. He was a losing player, and that's why he quit. He ran out of money. That's why he joined UB, because he ran, he ran out of money. Joe Seabach used to criticize UB all the time on his Poker Road show. Constantly. He didn't forget everything he said on Poker Road. He joined UB because he needed the money. And then when that dried up, he had no choice but to leave poker, because he had no more money to play, and no more shady sites to sponsor him. Though maybe he should have tried with Locke. That's what he's doing? Well, he had a friend who owned some uh, winery or something. So he did that for the summer. I don't think that paid that well. He just did it, to, I think, more to help out a friend. And <laughs> that's, that's some good friendship. Let me ask you guys here listening to this show. Think of your very best friend. Your very, very best friend. Someone who you would do just about anything for. If he called you up and said, hey, would you like to come to Northern California and stomp grapes for 12 hours a day starting at 4 in the morning every single day for the whole summer? Would you like to come up and do that? I need a favor. What would you say to that friend? Would he say, sure, I'm going to drop everything. I'm going to move out of my beachfront apartment or beachfront house in Hermosa Beach, California and move up to wine country? To stomp grapes 12 hours a day and barely get paid for it? 
That's some favor. Like, why say things like that? I don't know why he chose that to do. I believe it was probably a friend who turned him on to it. But he wasn't doing anyone a favor. He just probably had no other option. I guess it was really labor-intensive work. You you know, you see all these people who... uh, uh, talk about illegal immigrants and stuff like that, and we got to get rid of them. All those industries, those orchard-type industries, would fold if we got li- rid of uh, illegal inter- immigrants because it's hard work and it doesn't pay well, and a lot of times there's people coming from Mexico. Uh, to, when you live in California, that's the uh, large number of the workers are, are those kind of people who are just there to work hard and make what they can and bring it back to their family. Uh, and Joe found out the hard way that probably isn't the, the best way to, to make a living. It's tough work. Yeah, well... But now he just contradicted himself. At first he was just helping a friend, and then he's saying Joe found out the hard way that's not a good way to make money. Well, yeah. Stomping on grapes for 12 hours a day for menial pay is not a good way to make money, especially when you're in your 30s. But if you're just helping a friend, then you shouldn't care how much you're getting paid. You're, you're just helping out. My friend says, hey, come over and help me with such and such. I'm not going to say, hey, how much are you paying me? What's this going to do for my career? I'm just going to go and do it because he needs help. But uh, he's claiming now that Joe discovered the hard way that's not how you make money. He can't even keep his life straight. I flopped a straight flush, so that that was kind of interesting. All right, the rest of this is boring, just poker stuff, as you can hear. Someone saying in chat... He was working on a part on a pot farm. Now that it is harvest, he got fired. <laughs> Beer and poker saying Joe found out the quote hard way that taking pictures of your dick isn't the answer either. <laughs> yeah, Joe definitely, definitely, definitely is aware of finding out things the hard way. <laughs> So that, that's what Joe Seabach is doing, according to Barry Greenstein. And some people are wondering what what's the real story with Barry Greenstein? Like, like, how does he go from giving millions away to charity, giving away all his winnings to charity, to, to being broke and to, to aging so quickly because he's so stressed about having no money? Like, like, how does Barry Greenstein? go from that what happened to him I wrote a blog about this last year and um, I'm going to read from what I wrote in 2012 because it still applies to today regarding what happened to Barry Greenstein let me get to that blog so in this blog, which you can find on dandruffpoker.com, I wrote, Much of the fascination with Barry comes to the fact that uh, he, don't, he supposedly donates millions of his tournament winnings to charity to being so broke that he had to borrow $400,000 from Full Tilt at one point. How does one of the seemingly most ethical good guys of poker have such a large and long-running debt? Are there any decent, decent people left in poker? Um, now I said I am not Barry Barry's accountant so I can't tell you how much money he does or doesn't have I will say that around 2007 I did notice he suddenly stopped playing the nosebleed stakes in Bobby's room in Bellagio and dropped down to the 300-600 type limit games 
those are still considered very high limit, but are a far cry from 4,000, 8,000 that he used to play. That was an indication to me that something was wrong. Greenstein, like many poker pros, has an ego, and he does. Barry Greenstein has a big ego, by the way. Players with egos don't like dropping down in stakes. It's considered an admission of failure. It's thought to be a waving of the white flag and acceptance that you could not beat the stakes where you once played. Players like Barry Greenstein don't drop down in stakes like that unless they have to. I heard lots of rumors that Barry was broke. Of course, those were just rumors. You know how rumors are in the poker world, or anywhere for that matter. Some are 100% true, some are half true, and some are complete crap. Still, I think the rumors probably had some validity. I don't think Barry is flat broke, but I believe he might be struggling financially. A sum like $400,000, something he probably would have won and lost in single sessions five years ago, is now a pretty big deal to him. I imagine that if and when he does pay that money, it won't be all at once, but probably be through some sort of installment plan. That was when he owed that money to Full Tilt, uh, which I don't think he ever had to pay. The fact that Barry took a $400,000 loan in the first place pretty much validates the broke rumors, at least to some degree. There are two kinds of loans in the poker world. There's the, quote, I have the money but can't get it online right now, or alternatively to the live card room right now, so let me borrow some and I'll pay you back tomorrow type of loan. And then there's the, I don't have the money but loan it to me because I'm a good player and will win with it type of loan. It looks like Barry took the latter, because if the 400 k was simply a matter of getting money online to play, he could have paid it back in cash or chips at Bellagio to one of many full-tilt nosebleed pros that he saw every day. And what about the millions he gave away to charity? I think a lot of that was exaggerated. While I admire Barry's generosity to these children's charities, I never believed that he donated all of his winnings there, nor did I ever hear Barry say that. I think that was a myth that grew over time. In reality, Barry probably made a lot of nice, generous, charitable contributions, but likely kept most of his winnings. It's simply not possible to donate your winnings to charity and stay in high-limit action unless you were hugely wealthy outside of poker. I still believe all that to be true, even though I wrote it about a year and a half ago. Uh, Barry obviously uh, shot off his money at those high-limit games. He probably had a big ego, probably didn't want to drop down and Played till he really didn't have much money anymore. So I, I don't think again, I don't think he's flat broke where he has no money to his name, but I, I think he doesn't have very much anymore. Supposedly he also lost a good deal of money on Poker Road. Remember Poker Road? Go to PokerRoad.com. See what you get. I'm gonna do it right now. PokerRoad.com. I it just sits and doesn't connect, like I thought. Connecting, connecting, connecting. Cannot connect a server. Poker Road was once a big deal. I heard a story, I don't know if it's true, that Poker Road once had 20 employees. Poker Road was supposed to be a huge site. Supposed to be like Poker News. Supposed to be like Card Player once was at its height. They spent a ton of money after the poker boom was already waning. They, they jumped on ship too late. Spent a lot of money up front, and it just lost money hand over fist. Lou Father says Poker Road wasn't even that bad. It wasn't. It wasn't a bad site. It just wasn't going to make the money that they were spending. They spent a ton of money on it, and it was bringing in very little. Joe Seabach was the manager of Poker Road. It was with Barry's money, from what I heard, and it lost a fortune, and eventually went down. First it got scaled way down, then it went down. Uh, shout out, by the way. To the dearly departed Justin Esoteric Shrunk Good guy, worked for Poker Road He uh, passed away A number of years ago, I think in 2009 
of um, unlike most poker players who pass away at a young age due to drug abuse, uh, this is actually a guy who died of natural causes. Just had a lot of health problems that were not his fault. Just was unlucky enough to inherit some uh, some problems that uh, he wasn't going to overcome, and uh, he abruptly died one day. So. Anyway, uh, I remember Justin Schrock, by the way, just to mention something about him. Something I really appreciated that he did was, uh, it was actually on Poker Road. Uh, there was some radio show, I forgot which one it was, but they were ripping on me for, for something related to UB. But they were ripping on me, and Justin called in and defended me. Just, just no, for no reason. Just because uh, he liked me and didn't like what they were saying about me, and he called in and defended me. And he even wrote a, an editorial defending me. And I think they didn't let him publish it or something like that. But he showed me it. But you know, he was a good guy. He was a nice guy, and everyone liked him. He may have eaten French fries on the bed too much, but uh, people liked him. So, R.I.P. Justin Tronk. And. Uh, Lou Father broke the, brought that up because I mentioned Poker Road. But yeah, I, th- I think Barry uh, doesn't have much money anymore. So, we're nearly done with our agenda. Kind of went quickly tonight, especially with no co-host. Last thing I want to talk about is a Caesars issue. Caesars has been rapidly swapping out their old video poker machines and replacing them with these new machines, the new multiplayer machines. If you go to a Caesars property, or at least if you used to go to a Caesars property up until a few months ago, all their machines were pretty antiquated when it came to video poker. And even their uh, their cash-out machines. Uh, for example, their cash-out machines, you know, when you get a ticket that prints from a, a slot machine or video poker machine, just about every other casino, you can insert multiple tickets and cash out all at once. No, in, in Caesars, if you had like eight tickets, you'd have to feed them in one at a time. So you'd feed it a ticket, get paid. Feed it a ticket, get paid. It would take a long time to feed in like eight tickets. Uh, they just never updated that machine. Similarly, their uh, video poker machines were quite old. There were those old Game King machines and other ones you could have seen 15 years ago. So, finally realizing that their machines were antiquated and that other casinos with more modern machines were probably taking some of their action, they decided to swap out all their old video poker machines and put in new ones. They haven't completed this process yet. It's, it's currently going on. Uh, a lot of this has happened at Caesars itself. I know that they've gotten rid of almost all of the old machines out of Harris Laughlin. But interestingly, something else that's changing is that uh, while they're doing this, while they're swapping out the old machines, they're also reducing the payouts. And when I say reducing the payouts, I mean at the highest levels. For a long time, the thinking was, you have to offer the high-limit players a high-value video poker machine, such as 9-6 Jacks or Better. 9-6 Jacks or Better is a Jacks or Better video poker game where a full house pays nine times your money and a flush pays six times your money. And all the other payouts are standard. That machine has a 99.54% payout if you play perfectly. 
That is, for every $10,000 you cycle through the machine, you will lose only $46 if you play perfectly on average. Now, there's a lot of variance, but on average, every $10,000 cycled into those 96 jacks or better machines, you'll only lose 46 bucks, which isn't very much. However, those machines are either being taken out completely or changed to where you have to put in $25 worth of play to get one tier credit rather than the old way of $10 per tier credit. Now, that doesn't lower your ability to win on the machine, but it does severely lower both your comps, the reward credits that you earn, and your tier credits in earning your way up to Diamond and Seven Star, which are the uh, highest tier cards you can have at uh, Caesars Properties. The reason Caesars is doing this, like for example, Laughlin now, there is no more 9-6 jacks or better, and there's not even an 8-5 bonus poker machine. 8-5 bonus poker was another 99 plus percent pay machine, where it's 5 times for a flush, 8 times for a full house, and uh, and then they would pay you extra for certain 4 of a kind, the best one being 4 aces, where you get extra depending on which which 4 of a kind you get. That's been taken out. So they've decided in Laughlin, for example, just to say F you to the high limit players. And there are no more 99% or more pay machines in Laughlin. And this coincided with them swapping out the machines. You do have the higher machines in Vegas, but none of them give you the proper number of tier credits. As I said, they reduced it by a factor of 2.5. The reason they're doing this is the continued assault against 7 stars grinders. 7 stars grinders are people like me who realize that if you can find a semi-cheap way to become a 7 stars member at Caesars, that it will pay for itself. That even if you lose money on the way of getting there, typically you will get enough in benefits, both in free play, and in free trips, and free meals, and free hotel stays, etc., etc., where it will be well worth the money you lose getting up to 7 stars, provided you want to use all these benefits provided you can go to the casino enough to take advantage of it. They had these seven stars grinders who would play the minimum to get up to seven stars and then quit. And they decided that they're going to put a stop to this. And this is one of the ways they're doing it. And this used to be really frowned upon in the industry. It used to be said, hey, look, you've got to give the high limit players something extra. You've got to give them the, the high odds machines. You've got to, you, you can't reduce the tier credits they're earning. You, you can't do that to them. They won't appreciate it. They won't do it. But they, they realize these people just aren't that much value. They realize that the person who will care so much about the payouts on video poker is typically not the type of customer who's going to make them all that much money anyway. The ones they make the most money from in the high limit sections are the ones who don't give a crap what machine they're playing. They just want action. And those people don't care what type of tier credits they're earning. The ones who care a lot about tier credits are the are the grinders, the ones who, who uh, um, are playing the very, very best payout machines, the minimum to make it to seven stars. Those are the customers they don't really want. Because even if they make a little bit of money from them, they're just not worth the trouble. They're not worth the time they waste for the hosts. They're not worth the, the uh, all the free play they have to issue. Uh, these players a lot of times end up beating them in the long run. They cost the company more than they make from them. They, they really want to get rid of the seven stars grinders. And this is one of the ways they're doing it. They're trying to make it as hard as possible now for seven stars grinders to get that seven stars ranking. And Caesars realized something else, and I, I don't blame them for any of this, by the way. If, if I were running Caesars, I'd do the same thing. They're, because they're a business. They're, they're not, uh, they don't have an obligation to uh, make us money. But uh, 
something that uh, so, something else I, I want to hang on a second, I'm reading the chat room sorry for the distraction here uh, some comments before I get to that the, uh, the chat room, the Ultimate X bonus poker is a great game to total, total rewards they're eliminating Ultimate X because of me, that's interesting I didn't know that could really be used for total rewards I knew the Ultimate X game you could take advantage of so if somebody left left it at the right time and had a bonus up there, you could take advantage of that and make it a highly positive expectation experience, but it's kind of hard to find. But I didn't know that you could take advantage of it for total rewards. It's interesting. Um, JSTAT saying in chat, the damn buttons on video poker sometimes never work, sometimes had to use the screens. I noticed that too. That's why they're replacing these machines. They realize that a lot of people just... Uh, went to other casinos when these machines were in disrepair. So, uh, oh yeah, the other thing I was going to say was that for the most part, the average gambler does not know about good payouts on video poker. You go up to the typical video poker player, and I don't mean the really, really dedicated ones, which is the typical person who plays some video poker. He wants to play at a good deal, but not uh, like really dedicated to it. And you start talking about, hey, why are you playing this 5-8 machine? Why, are you, why aren't you playing a 9-6? They go, huh? 9-6, huh? Like, they have no clue. People don't even have any idea of, like, the strategy adjustments you're supposed to make when they play double-double bonus poker, and all of a sudden, two-pair now only pays even money instead of double. They don't understand the strategy adjustments you have to make for that. All they care about is the double-double bonus part where you get uh, paid extra for making certain four-of-a-kinds. Like, the typical gambler on video poker is clueless, just like the typical blackjack player is clueless. This is why Caesars, actually originally Harrah's, introduced 6-to-5 blackjack, which is where you get paid 6-to-5 on a blackjack instead of 3-to-2. The old way of thinking was, oh, no one's going to want to play that because it's terrible. The new way of thinking, which is correct, is that most blackjack players are too dumb to know the difference. They don't realize what a terrible thing that is to have 6-5 to five versus 3-2. to two. The typical blackjack player judges whether they want to play blackjack upon how lucky the table has been for them. That's all they care about. They don't, they don't care about all these rules and 6-5 to five and 3-2 to two and all that stuff. They should, but they don't. So just like that with video poker, a lot of people will play video poker, will know how to play it, will know generally the right moves to make, but will have no clue about what the payout should be. So why give higher payouts if you don't have to? Now, there is a theory in the gambling world that you don't want people to lose too much. Because if someone loses just about every time they sit down, they're not going to come back. All they'll remember is losing, and it'll be depressing, and they won't want to come back to the casino. If you own a casino, what you want is someone to win, like, three out of every ten sessions. And when I say sessions, I'm just uh, assuming they win and lose the same amount every time. That's the ideal situation. They win three times, lose seven times. Because they remember the three times they won and kind of get out of their brain the seven times they lost. And the three times they won, they make you think, hey, I can beat this thing. Hey, this isn't too hard. Hey, this this is pretty cool. Hey, I can make a lot of money at this. So they do have to set the machines high enough to where they win sometimes, but they don't have to be 9-6. They don't have to be 8-5 bonus. They can be much lower than that. That's why typically you're going to see a lot of machines these days, 5 and 7. 5 for a flush, 7 for a full house. Does that matter much? Yes, it matters a whole lot. But most people don't really pay attention to that 
All they pay attention to is, I gotta get that royal flush, I gotta get that royal flush and make $4,000. That's, that's all they think of. They, they don't think about the flush and the full house. So Caesars is finally realizing that uh, they need to slim down their seven-star program as far as the membership goes. And this is the way they're doing it. So, unless anybody wants to call in here, we're going to be done quite early tonight, one of our shortest shows in recent history. 702-430-1808 Mount Charleston line, or you can call 775-372-8355, 775-FRAUD-55. If I don't get any calls, then this show is going to be over. Let me read the chat room here. Anything of interest? Uh, Not really. Relativasi asking where is bad guy. Oh, uh, beer and poker asking, do the Dodgers have a chance? Well, I guess the question now is, do the Dodgers or Tigers have a chance? Because in both cases, the team that will be on the road for the remaining two games will be the team that is down three to two. The Tigers lost today four to three to Boston. The Dodgers won their last game, 6-4, to four, to hang on and not lose the series to St. Louis. St. Louis was up 3-1. to one. I went to an LCS game this week. I went on Monday to see the Dodgers win 3 to nothing against St. Louis. Got some great seats for uh, $219 each. It's a very good buy for the seats I got. On the t- you know, t- about uh, 10 rows behind the Dodgers dugout on the field level. And uh, I will go again to a game if they somehow make the World Series. But the question is, do they have a chance? Well, tomorrow will be a very interesting game. It takes place at 5.30 Pacific Time. Tomorrow's game will be Wacha for St. Louis, and will be at home for St. Louis, against the best pitcher in baseball, Clayton Kershaw. And, uh, wow, that one can go either way. Uh Wacha has been really, really good recently. I really hate seeing the Dodgers face him. I was happy to see the Dodgers' bats wake up the last game and hit four home runs, but hitting four home runs against Joe Kelly and some relievers, it's not the same thing as hitting him off Wacha, who's just been unhittable recently. And uh, Clayton Kershaw, I know he's Clayton Kershaw, so he always gives you a very strong effort. And he can be anywhere from... uh, Decent to great, depending on how he's feeling that day. It will be in St. Louis. It's very hard to play in St. Louis. Very loud crowd. Very hard place to win. St. Louis has done much, much better at home than on the road. And the Dodgers have to win two there. Now, we're just up to them winning tomorrow. I'd actually think, yeah, I think they're going to do it. But they have to win tomorrow and the next day. That's going to be really hard. Hunjin Ryu is going to pitch Game 7. Pitched a great game in Game 3. I saw him facing Adam Wainwright. But uh, to be honest, Wainwright did very well. And just uh, didn't do quite as well as Ryu. And the Cardinals made a lot of boneheaded mistakes 
that also allowed the Dodgers to get ahead of them. But the Dodgers, you know, they completely outplayed them in that game. But uh, I, I don't know if Ryu will have the same stuff again. Because he was awful to start before that. So we never know which Ryu we're going to get. The Vegas odds right now, for tomorrow, Dodgers are favored. Minus 129. So... I could easily see this going seven, but boy, I'm, I'm going to be nervous if it goes into seven. I'm going to be nervous seeing Ryu take the round mound for number seven against probably Adam Wainwright. Team MLG, hello. Nothing to say? Guess his mic doesn't work. I, I was ready to take the call. It's going to give him a shot. But he had nothing to say. Taking a look at the chat room. What are the odds of a parlay for the Dodgers to win 3-1? to one? Uh, Probably something like that. Can't really calculate it right now. Did you get your tickets off StubHub at that price of $219 for those uh, great field seats? Answer, yes. What happened was after the Dodgers went down 2 to nothing in the series, I knew that uh, people were going to get demoralized and not want to go to the game. So I knew the prices were going to fall big time. I knew there wasn't going to be a lot of demand for Game 3 tickets that had not sold already. So I was watching for bargain tickets, and they weren't happening at first. But uh, finally they did. And uh, the the, t- the tickets that I bought were outliers. They were way, way, way below what everyone else was selling. So like, the the next... Priced tickets in that section were like two hundred ninety something dollars. These are like eighty dollars cheaper than the next price tickets up. They were actually worse than my seats. Balling. Yes, uh, I didn't have to be balling to attend that game though. That uh, did it work? Does this work? Yeah. Oh, well, I got a new. Uh, I got the uh, new uh, headset, and I, I'm trying to. Maybe it doesn't work. It does work. I, got- I hear you. No, this is my old headset. It has oh. a mic, but my other ones is the Beats Audio, and it has like a mic on it. Like you can take calls, but I can't seem to get it working. Well, you should test these things before you uh, call this show. This isn't your test bed. So, I don't know. Well, so TMML Gay, what's going on today? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little upset with you. Uh-oh. I haven't been on air for the last three weeks or so because you're you're a player hater. Like how? Well, you like absolutely like got rid of me so quick the other week that so quick I gave you so much time. This is what bothers me. This is you remind me so much. I hate to say this, you remind me so much of my son Benjamin. Where I, I anything I let him do that he really likes, as soon as I stop him, no matter how long he's been doing it, he he gets mad. And and he acts like I've just stopped him after thirty seconds. So I can give him half an hour to do the thing he loves. And I take him away from it, and he gets mad and screams and cries and kicks, and I say, you've been doing it for half an hour. What's the problem? You can't do this forever. And that's how I feel with you. No matter how much time I give you on this show, you complain. Okay, but last the other week when I was on, you only gave me like fucking 30 seconds, and no, that's not enough for that's not an true. A-star member like myself. I could see if it's like Hoser11, who never calls in and... And he's always uh, hating on me, but, you know, call in, Hoser. If you want to talk shit about me in the chat, call in. Look, I, I just want to say here that I've given you so much time on this show. I, I gave you time the last time you called in. 
Uh, what happens sometimes is either you're interrupting what's going on, like we have someone making a serious call or we're in the middle of a serious subject and you just keep you know, saying s- stupid things and, and derailing the show, and there's only so much I can let that happen. Sometimes I, I have to say enough is enough and hang up, and this is not saying you're not welcome on the show. It's just saying that I, I can't have you on constantly. Yeah, even the the chats, like, uh, yeah, cut this guy some slack. Like, th- the whole chat's against you. Like, you've got to li- respect your A-star members. <laughs> so, okay, so, so, sorry, Hoser. I thought you're hating on me, but I apologize. Shout out to Hoser11. But the whole chat's against you. They want me online. Well, I see I see two people who are supporting here. Star Stole My Role says, uh, fuck you, Druff. Cut the guy some slack. And then Hoser11 is saying that he's giving you a compliment. But uh, I'm also seeing here, uh, Ryback Feed Me More says, Team ML Gay, go away. That's definitely not on your side. Yeah, because that guy's a dupe account. He's got like 15 accounts. No, he's been making good posts here. Well, I I don't read the forums half the time. Well, that's your fault. Don't blame me for that. Well, I got a different computer. I got a Windows 8, so I'm trying to get used to it. It's driving me nuts. I will agree with you on that one. Uh, I just recently purchased a computer for my girlfriend, and uh, I was configuring it for her, and I couldn't believe how awful Windows 8 was. There's no start button, first of all, which is terrible. Well, they have it now. There's a Windows 8.1 that came out today. It has a start button. Does it work well? You can download it free. is it a good start button or is it like some kind of weird start button? It's a weird one. Like it's it's uh, like a rectangle with a cross through it, but it clicks it and goes to where you normally go, but it doesn't have like all the options like Windows 7 does. Well, that's the problem. I, I want the old Windows 7 start button, which has pretty much been around since Windows 95 on Windows 8. Like wh- why would they get rid of that? It's so stupid. And like I, what I've noticed with Windows is – so they released Windows 95, which was a big upgrade from Windows 3.1. Then they did Windows 98, which was another upgrade. Everybody liked that. Uh, and then, once they got to Windows 2000, that's when it all went downhill. Uh, Windows 2000 was crappy, and no one liked it. and It had all kinds of problems, all kinds of compatibility problems. Then Windows XP came out, and Windows XP was very popular. Everyone loved XP. Then, after XP, came Windows Vista, and Vista was hated. Vista, Vista had so many problems. Vista was such a piece of crap. And then after Vista, I didn't even get Vista because it was so bad. But then after Vista, Windows 7 came out. And Windows 7 was what Vista should have been. It was like Vista with all the terrible taken out of it. And everybody liked Windows 7. And I have Windows 7 now. I think it's great. And then Windows 8 comes out, and, and the same thing. Everyone hates it. Like, why can't they figure out... First of all, every other time they release an operating system, they should really take pause and say, hey... We've got a problem here. We probably have a bad operating system because it seems like every other time we screw up. I think Microsoft's pattern is release a crappy product, everyone gets mad, and then put a lot of effort into making the next one good, and then go back to being crappy. Well, the 8.1's not too bad. Like you now you can start up your computer to the uh, desktop instead of clicking through like the start menu and whatnot, but. Yeah, yeah, I hated that too. We had to click to desktop from uh, that that ridiculous. Yeah, start. but it's not too, Windows Eight is not too bad. I guess after I deleted a lot of apps, it's not too bad. It just takes a little bit getting used to. You know what else I found ridiculous was that I had to move I, my mouse no, all the way in the top opinion. right corner to even get to like the parts where I want to shut down. Well, yeah, but like, you, like, you still have to do it the old. It's not too bad. Like I don't know. Like, it's pretty easy. Maybe now, I'll get actually. used to it. But I, I, it just looks like it's trying too hard to be like a tablet. Yeah, it's trying to be a tablet. I agree with you. 
But you're able to delete half those apps anyway, so they just go away. But I tried downloading Skype, and then I had to sign into my Windows account, and it was driving me nuts. Normally, I just download Skype off the site, but no, you got to go to the Windows Store. So that, so <laughs> yeah, the Windows Store, they're, they're trying so hard to be Apple. It reminds me of uh, when MySpace tried to be Facebook once they were failing. Like just, just be yourself. Don't try to imitate who's more successful than you. It's it's okay to be the the strong number two. You don't have to. to and the thing is, PCs are still dominant over Macs in the market. It's not like the phone market where uh, where everyone loves the iPhone. You know, it's a. Um, I, I don't know why they, they were having to. They're trying to imitate Apple at this point. But uh, the good news here is that uh, I'm hearing that uh, people are already testing uh, Windows 9 and that uh, the reports are great. <laughs> no, there's actually no Windows 9 yet, but I, I can't wait for it to come out. Maybe I'll get used to Windows 8, but uh, I, I was very frustrated by it. I agree. So, and, and apparently your microphone doesn't work well with it. So, oh, well, and, because my microphone's all right, but my my old headset's kind of damaged a little bit. Like I can only hear out of one ear sometimes. You know, somebody when I was uh, someone was talking in the chat room at the touchscreen, saying, "I I hate my touchscreen on my laptop. Fucking thing keeps exploding my screen as if I was blind and needed a hundred fifty point font." You know, when it came time to purchasing the computer, I had to decide if I wanted to get this touchscreen for my girlfriend. And I just pictured like fingerprints all over the screen, and I just this just doesn't seem right. I know it's all fingerprints all over the iPad. It just didn't seem right. And I talked to her, and we're like, you know what? Skip the touch screen. It was like three hundred bucks more too. It's like screw that. So, uh, whoa, whoa, my goodness, bad guy's blowing up. Whoa, my goodness, bad guy just entered and left the room like a hundred times in one second. I don't know how he did that. Tight sight. What is going on here? I may have to ban bad guy until this stops. <laughs> I, I, this is crazy. He's he's entering and leaving at breakneck speed. All right, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to ban him. I I, I can't have this. It's the end of the show. I can't have this. So, are you doing a, uh, any uh, prank calls or? Well, give me a number to call. Um, I don't know. You don't well. Thank you. Thank you for the great suggestion. I thought you were gonna call the uh, call the bed bug place. You never got around to that, huh? Yeah, that's true. Maybe we'll do it some other time. It's not in the prank call mood right now. But, uh, so I'm seeing right now. I had to ban bad guy, by the way. Not that I wanted to. I just can't have him just bombing the chat with entrance, entrances and, and uh, disappearances. But. Uh, Every time I tried to play poker on Windows 8, that stupid fucking sidebar would pop on. That's from China Maniac. <laughs> Star stole my role, said that uh, when he used Windows 8.1, it kept saying, syntax error, press play on tape. <laughs> I wonder if this guy is my age. I remember that syntax error and press play on tape in the old Commodore VIC-20. So are you doing a prank call or not? I don't know. You know what? Let's, let's call someone here. Not necessarily. Call, call Ken Scaler. I want to talk to that Stephanie. He doesn't have a phone number. That would no, call I'll, Stephanie. I'll, fine, I I'll call Stephanie. Fine, somewhere. fine. I'll call Stephanie. You get your wish. That lady's fucking nuts. Well, you get your chance to tell her. She's worse than TMMLK's girl. Like, she's, that girl. She's emo too, but Stephanie. Holy That's right. We should put them together sometime. Jesus. 
Let me talk. Tight tight. Hello. Hey, Stephanie. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Who is this? This is TMMLK. How are you doing? Who? TMMLK. From dot. Hello. From PokerFraudAlert.com. Live on air. Stephanie. How are you? Uh, who, who, uh, this is Stephanie. This is her roommate. Who is this? Good evening, Ken Scaler. How are you? <laughs> yeah, where are you calling from? Sorry? What are you calling from? I'm calling from Poker Fraud Alert. You won tickets to the Dodgers game. Oh, you won tickets to the Dodgers game. Okay. Um, what do we have to do? Wait one second. Hello? Hello? What would you like? I'm saying that you won tickets to the Dodgers game. I did? Yeah. For when? What? Sorry. Hello. Hello. Who the fuck is this? I'm calling from this? Poker Fraud Alert Radio. You won tickets. You entered a contest for the Dodgers game. Can I speak to Ken Scaler, please? No, she hung up. She hung up. You said Poker Fraud Alert. She knows that's my site, so she knew that I didn't give her Dodger tickets. Oh. Good try, though. It was a, it was a good effort. I, I had some funny moments. I left. Well, you ruined it. You kept having, you're like Mike on. You're adding shit in the background. <laughs> Low house. And... I was trying to make it sound like a real radio station. Oh. I, I thought it was helping you. No. See, if you're going to call up and pretend it's a contest, you have to, you have to sound more radio-like. You have to say, hello, can I speak to Stephanie, please? Stephanie, you have won tickets to the Dodgers game here on K-Earth 101 Los Angeles. How are you today? Has to be like that. Tight, tight. Anyways, do another call. <laughs> Let me get the phone here where I was going to call here. Call her back. Yeah, I think we already kind of blew that one. She's not with Ken Scaler. She's that was her roommate. She's a gay roommate. That, that was who you're speaking to. Was the gay roommate and Stephanie. Oh, I thought it. I thought it was a girl I was talking to. Well, you, you were some of the time. Some of it was Stephanie, and some was the gay roommate. Oh, is a gay roommate a girl though? Because I thought it was a girl. No, it's a very gay guy. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, like like a a totally out flaming gay guy. Not even like one who we assume is gay. Tight sight. All right. Why do you keep saying tight sight? Well, because the sight sometimes fails. It's it's working great. Like bad guy logging in a hundred times, that's fail. All right. Let me try to make this call here. This is not bad guy, but uh, let's see if this person answers. Guess not. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic. Try to call a bad guy's uh, sort of girlfriend there, Josie, but she didn't answer. She wanted me to call her, but she didn't answer. Like she didn't tell me today to call her, but she told me last week to call her on the next show, which I just remembered to do. 
Oh, I saved the show again tonight. I wouldn't go that far. Well, <laughs> I think I did, but... How, how did you save it? Because I called in and I extended the show's life and I did a prank call and the, the crowd's going wild. Well, okay. You can take credit for that so, if you want. So, I wanted to ask you a question. Are you fairly knowledgeable about NFL sports betting? No, I'm, I'm really not. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a baseball guy and... Uh, I, I don't really bet on sports other than uh, the NFL teasers, which I can't even do anymore because uh, the payouts on those have been reduced. So it's not really worth it. Well, because I wanted to know what percentage of the underdog covers a spread. I have no idea. Like, I looked on uh, on the Wizard of Odds, and uh, they were like, the best bet to make with the least variance like overall, is betting the home underdog. Yeah, I've heard that, but I don't know. The worst bet is betting the visiting favorite. Hmm. I mean, it used to be that way with the teasers. 46% of the time. It used to be that way with the teasers that they would say to tease the home underdog the most possible, provided it met the other requirements. And then also you'd be looking for a low total. And and then there's the additional uh, piece that a lot of people seemed to neglect, but I always felt it was important that it was a team that uh, didn't get blown out very often. I found when in teasers, when you would have a team that uh, had the tendency to get blown out a lot, uh, would ruin your teasers a lot, where the teams that tend to play it close a lot and stay a lot closer to the, to the spread, ones that have a lot less variance in their games, are a lot better for teasers. But uh, a lot of people didn't give me credit for that. I, I always said that, and I never saw that on any teaser sites, but I found it was important. I just found from experience that... Uh, betting on these terrible teams that would be okay one week and just awful the next week were, were really bad for teasers. Uh, so anyway, other than that, I can't really help you. Yeah, they're saying that according to the site from 1983 to 2008 season, that the all underdogs have won 50.05%. Well, that's not very good. <laughs> no, it's, but it's better that. But there's ties too. There are pushes too. So the favorites have only won forty-seven percent. Do you know what so you need to win in order to fifty-seven? No, not fifty. You need fifty-two point thirty-eight percent, I think. Oh, sorry, yeah, fifty-two point thirty. That's, that's a lot harder than it seems. Billy Walters is at fifty-seven. Yeah, a lot of people claim to be fifty-seven, but they're not. I mean, it's it's so hard to do, and. Uh, Billy Wallace never loses. The the long run really flattens out all these people who think they can beat NFL betting or any kind of sports betting. There's a very small percentage of people who could do it. Well, before you shut this off, I want to give a TMMLK minute here. All right, go ahead. So this week I suggest betting Baltimore over Pittsburgh. Current line is Pittsburgh minus one and a half. Uh-huh. Uh, I want New England over the Jets. New England's minus four, four and a half. Uh, Chicago Bears plus one over Washington. Yes. Um, and then I like Indy over Denver plus six and a half. Huh. All right, is that it? Uh, and Houston plus six and a half. They're playing KC. I think Houston might win the game. Now, are you actually going to be betting these yourself? Yeah, I do. Bet them. Yeah, got action. Where are you betting them? I bet online. Okay. I, a lot of these people who make sports picks don't actually bet their own picks. 
I think if you're not willing to risk your own money, then picks are really not worth it. But okay, we'll check on these next week on how they did, if I remember. And thank you, everybody, for listening to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friend show. We'll be back next week. I, I don't know the date yet. Not, may not be back on Tuesday because it's only five days from now, but I'll let you guys know soon. Thank you to all our live Thank listeners you. and all our archive listeners and Team ML Gay. Holla to my fans. Uh, later, fags to my haters. Shalom. <laughs>